Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Logic, Political Talk, part of the Growing Conservative Conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network at www.patriotjournalist.com. And tonight we have our special guest uh, with us, Jim Condit Jr., uh, going to be calling into the show. And uh, we're still waiting for our guest, and we'll uh, bring him in once uh, we see him on board. And tonight, Bill, we'll be talking about the upcoming special election in District 8 of Ohio to replace John Boehner. We will also be discussing Watch the Vote 2016, which is now also WatchTheVoteUSA.com. As you get a fair count for all the candidates in the Iowa caucus of 2016. Uh, we also how Watch the Vote 2012 forced the Iowa GOP to uh, 
change the winner from Romney to Santorum two weeks after the January 3rd, 2012 Iowa primary presidential caucus. And this will talk about how this was the first time this to ever happen, as far as we know, in a presidential primary or caucus. And uh, we'll bring at this time, bringing in Kelly, our panelist, who will be introducing our guest. So thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, we've got somebody that could take John, uh, John Boehner's place, a uh, special election, I believe, in February, so there's not much time. People are scrambling. Uh, Jim Condit in 2010 ran against, um, in the Constitution Party, he ran against Boehner, of course, he lost, and then the uh, Democrat as well. Well, in 2010, uh, Jim Condit got more votes than the Democrat. It's very stunning. So this, he's very um, electable, and so we're trying to get the message out. And one of the things that I really like what he's been doing, he's been working with uh, Guardians for Liberty. That's another of one of his uh, political activities. And there's uh, seven principles of liberty that are uh, very short and sustained, and I'm looking forward to having Jim uh, introduce this uh, to us. And, of course, people can go to uh, guardiansforliberty.com and just go ahead and look at those principles as well. Um, so, yeah, it's a very stunning statement. And even even today, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, of, of recent, I'm pushing the board. I'm on the board of Guardians for Liberty, and I'm trying to um, nudge Jim to become the chairman, and I'm lobbying the other board members, and it's, it's going to happen. But Jim is a great guy in the sense of um, he's been facilitating this organization as well as watch the vote. And he has not really sought the power of the chair. He hasn't really sought the position of the chair. I'm having to nudge this guy to get into the chair position because that's, you know, we need to recognize what he's been doing. And he kind of stays away from power. That's what I'm saying here. And there's an axiom of politics that I think he fits really well. I don't know whether, you know, it's real simple. Those who want power shouldn't become a politician. But those who don't want the power should become a politician. And that's where Jim's at. He's not, you know, been working with him for several years now. He doesn't really want the, the position of chair in, in a, a Guardians for Liberty board, so I'm nudging him there. Um, you, you know, the kind of guy you want as a politician is one who doesn't want the power. That's what I'm saying. And that's that's Jim. Uh, of course, he likes the Constitution, Constitution Party. There you go. Um, and he's done so many other things. So I, I'm just really looking forward to um, having him speak with us tonight. Well, then, without any further ado, I do believe that we have uh, Jim on the line. Uh, thank you very much, Jim, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, hi. Hi, Robert. Can, uh, am I on the air? You are on the air, and you are live. The reason I ask is because a lot of times when they bring you in on a show, you hear like a some kind of a noise, and and uh, no, good. I just I just I just wanted to make sure you could hear me. So well, thanks for having yeah, we me can again. Hear you I guess okay, okay. Thanks for having me again. I think it's timely that we. You know, the reason you had me on is because John Boehner has resigned his uh, position, as probably everybody knows by now, and he's resigning from Congress as well. And one thing to, I don't think anybody on this panel or this show may may be confused here, but some people have said to me, "Well, okay, good. You can if you run and replace Boehner, 
then you can become Speaker of the House. Well, it doesn't work that way. Uh, you know, all the congressmen get elected to their own, from their own district, and then they all get to Washington, and then the congressmen, uh, the 435 congressmen, will then decide who the Speaker of the House is. And usually, naturally, if the Republicans have the majority, they will elect them. If the Democrats have the, uh, the majority, they would do so like they elected Nancy Pelosi. So anyway, but Boehner's position will be open. Now, I understand, and they're not really too clear on this, that there will be a special election. I know there will be a special election, but they're not clear on exactly when. They thought maybe February. The primary in Ohio this year is going to be in March. It used to be in February for presidential years the last 20 years, but now for some reason it's going to be in March. So they're going to have that. And I am still am not clear, Robert, on whether they're going to have some kind of a Democrat and Republican and, and Constitution, whatever, primary before the March special election or whether they're just going to let everybody run like 10 candidates run in the same uh, in the same, um, uh, you know, ballot in only one special election. So I don't know. And the, per- the lady I was talking to at the Board of Elections wasn't totally sure herself. But, so at any rate, um, as, as Kelly said, I ran on the Constitution Party, uh, which which incidentally has national ballots of party status. You got Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, I believe Green, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Constitution. Uh, so they still have national status. So because of that, it was actually a Democratic uh, uh, Secretary of State, whose name is escaping me just for this second, it may come back to me, uh, lady. And she said, look, these, these requirements for third-party candidates are ridiculous. We're going to make it so that just like the Republicans can get 50 signatures to get on the ballot, then the constitutional libertarian get 25 signatures. So I got on the ballot in 2010, as Kelly said, and I believe because it was a protest year like this year is people are so fed up. They just know the government is not looking out for the people. They don't realize how bad it is. I don't think most people, but they, they subconsciously, gut feeling they know that things they don't have leaders that are sticking up for them this explains the trump phenomenon the ben carson and the fiorini fiorini and the bernie sanders phenomenon anyway i had constitution party behind my name we got our valid 25 signatures and i had it behind my name so about oh i want to say 8 30 quarter to nine on election night a friend of mine named sean murray from way up in ohio because Maynard's district is like goes way up there he called me. He said, mm-hmm. Jim, you have 20 percent of the votes. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, go look. So I, I kept 20 percent of the vote all night. There was a few little glitches that somebody's playing around with something. But I kept 20 percent of the vote all night. That was reported on uh, on uh, Channel 5, Channel 9, Channel 12 locally, the Dayton channels. It was carried the next morning in the Cincinnati Inquirer that I that I had uh, at the end of the night, I had about 20% of the vote. Boehner had 140,000. They said the computers told us I had 36,000. Uh, the Democrat had 29,000. The Libertarian had 4,000. 4, okay, and I believe I got those. Yes, I've run a number of times. Yes, I um, I did run ads. I did run radio shows for an hour on Sunday night. Yes, I did have a relative who was on the air on the uh, on the news. He wasn't a newscaster, but he was on the air for till from about 1996 to 2005, maybe a little before that. So 
having someone with your name on a major media in, in Dayton would help through your name recognition. Yes, there is a state rep whose name is Condit with two T's, Margie Condit. I've never met her, but her name has two T's. So all this might have helped my name recognition, but I don't believe that that was the reason I got 36,000 votes. I think the reason was is that I had Constitution Party after my name. So everybody that was mad at Boehner, everybody that was mad at the Democrat and wanted to cast a protest vote, they probably thought, well, heck, I'm for the Constitution. I'll vote for this guy here. So I think my name could have been Sally Jones or Susie Smith, and I probably would have gotten a similar amount of votes. But my point is is that that Constitution Party label is really a good label. And um, so then, because the powers that be in New York City that run the vote on election night, and this is unbelievable to people, I, I always tell people, I don't mind if you don't believe me when I tell you this, but every county in the United States except in New Hampshire for the general election, um, every one of them counts the vote illegally in secret. No citizens see any ballots on election day or election night in 90, I'm going to say 99% of the counties, okay? So we have illegal elections. That's all I can tell you. I'm sorry, people. The one way to check it out is call your board of elections and ask them, hey, when is, you know, when's there a chance for the citizens to count the votes on election night, day or election night? When do the citizens get to look at the ballots? No, you know, we're not anarchists. We don't, don't, are not trying to break in and, and, and take over. Did we lose your audio, Jim? Yeah. I'm sorry. He's, he's, uh, can, Robert, are you hearing me okay? Because my phone just glitched up to, to, to put you on hold. Yeah, you just yeah we just yeah we just we, yeah, we just lost you there for a few moments. A few seconds or a few minutes? Oh, uh, just a few seconds. Okay, so are you probably you're, heard you're that talking about the illegal uh, illegal machines and and, and calling uh, the board of elections. To have the yeah uh, yeah and, and asking the them what are the rules? Yeah, we're not an, we're not anarchists. Um, what are the rules for the citizens to be able to see the ballots, which used to be mandatory, of course, till the seventies? And there are no rules, and they they'll quickly tell you, well, hey, if you want to uh, if you try to get at the ballots on election day, you'll be arrested because it it uh, it interrupts the process. Okay, so. Um, this is the craziest situation we're in. And, but so anyway, 20 minutes after they had the final count in and the hundred percent count and all this stuff, 20 minutes later, I dropped 33,000 votes to last place. The Democrat jumped up to 66,000. So yeah, that really happened. And it is indicative of the problems we have in the vote counting system. That's got to be fixed. We got to have open vote counts at every precinct again. Um, it would cost us about, $400 million per November election and $400 million for the primary. But what's more important than making sure that what the people vote are the people that are elected? So, and, and of course, right. I believe that there's been massive, massive vote fraud. Uh, for, for instance, um, uh, Romney may well have beat Obama in 2012. A lot of the big city computers went down around quarter to 10 when it was neck and neck, and then Obama jumped way ahead. Uh, Carl Rove, not that I'm any fan of his, but he objected on Fox and said, this can't be right. Okay. So uh, that was an, uh, that was kind of an amazing thing. 
Uh, Megan Kelly left the set of Fox to go get the statistician. She wanted to have a debate between Rove and, uh, and, and the statistician. So, so anyway, there, and there's all kinds of other cases. I don't believe McCain won in New Hampshire. In, uh, they were counting 80% of the vote by uh, computer then by 2008 primary. McCain had no support. He had no signs out for him. Ron Paul did. Um, uh, Hillary did, did had some, and Barack Obama had a lot. Ron Paul had the most. Hill, and McCain had none. He was getting no crowds at his events. He was deeply in debt, and suddenly the computers tell us, oh, McCain upset everything. I don't believe Clinton won in 92 when they claim he won. Uh, in New Hampshire, he had, had unless a lot of, unless women of America love a man who has affairs on his wife, and then doesn't really admit to him. So there's a lot of questions. I'm not saying I have the proof on any of those. I'm just saying they were countered in secret. Okay, now coming up in let's Good. let me jump. Uh, we, we jump to the Boehner thing for a second, and then I was going to hit the Network America website, which is a solution that's up for everyone to join. Uh, whatever they, if they don't like, if they like the Constitution and they don't want the police state, and they don't want endless wars in the Middle East, then um, then th- this is for anybody to get in there and and organize. And then I may talk just a little bit about money because we've got all this uh, hearing. You know, you'd think that there's nothing but doom and gloom ahead for the near for the foreseeable future on money even though we live in the greatest age of plenty of all time. We can produce more products. We have more inventions. We have a lot of inventions that are being suppressed. Um, uh, and, but at any rate, so we have all the goods and services we want, uh, and it, it could be that way in every country. It is already that way in the developed countries. But we're supposed to think we're in a total financial crisis at every minute, the students will never get out of debt. The young people will never get out of debt. So I make, if you don't mind, Robert, comment on that a little bit because I want to talk about sure. solutions, solutions, and and definitely, uh, yeah, and, and and how we get out of this <laughs> contrived mess we're in. So, um, so let's go to the Boehner thing. So I'm going to run again now. What Kelly said is really truer than you know. I do not seek to be a front person. Um, I would rather, I was, as you know, Robert, you had James Traficant, the former congressman from Youngstown, on this very show right. at one point, and I was gearing mm-hmm. up to be kind of like his campaign manager or one of his campaign managers to for a uh, what he was going to do now, which was to promote projectfreedomusa.org, uh, which was to end the IRS and replace the Fed with a constitutional uh, and correct thinking uh, money entity, like maybe the National Credit Office or the National Monetary Office. And then there was talk, which I haven't been on the show since then, but there was talk of some people out of Washington who were working with traffic in that he should run. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kelly. Okay. That he should run as a Democrat in the presidential primary against Hillary. And that would really have been good. That would have been one of the f- most hilarious episodes in U.S. political history. But, of course, Trafficant ran into that uh, somewhat quizzical uh, tractor a- accident up there in September, died September 27th of last year. So we're just past the mm-hmm. first anniversary. But if he would have well, uh, been run against right, right. If he would have run against Hillary, we would have had a heck of a thing going there, and it would have been hilarious. But um, and, and, of course, Trafficant did have – from his years in prison, he did have some health problems, 
uh, and he would have. I want to. I know I could have got somebody to pay for him to go out to like the Gerson Institute and take two or three weeks of uh, of of um, the proper diet and everything to rejuvenate his 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 body and his arteries and his heart and so forth. Uh, and that would have been ten, about five thousand a week. I know I had somebody who was going to pay for it, but Traficant was not committed to do it yet when he when he had the accident. But anyway. Had he been able to do it, it would have been a hilarious thing. So I'd rather be a campaign manager or a background person for somebody. Um, the only reason I've run is because I I didn't hear anybody else saying the things that I've said in public. Even the, the computer vote fraud issue has not been raised by anybody significantly that is an actual candidate, either those who have gone on to hold office or those who haven't. Uh, as far as I know, I'm the highest profile candidate, and I'm not that high profile running against Boehner, to raise this issue. So that's one issue, you know, but, but I'm just saying that um, – so I'm going to run again. Yes, I would like to win uh, if I could win, which uh, I – you know, especially when we don't have a, a, a verifiable open ballot count, I don't think that's too likely. But um, – and, and even if I did – you know, I would have to raise a significant amount of money probably to compete for name recognition with the others that are already running, although there's no big names really running right now for Boehner's seat. Um, uh, so anyway, um, you know, but the point is, is I would definitely want to win. I would want to go to Congress and conduct the things I'm going to say on the show tonight from a national perch, you might say, from a national position. And, of course, the other side hates this. They don't want anybody to be in office who, if they can help it, that is going to be taking certain positions against the agenda of what the ruling elite agenda is. So, at any rate. Um, uh, hey, hey, Jim. So, yeah. Hey, Jim. I, I yeah. want to go ahead and take to the uh, seven liberty principles that uh, Guardians for Liberty has um, developed on the website. Okay. Um, yeah, so let's you know, get your thoughts on this. And just tell well, why don't one. you – are you looking at them that you could read the short versions of them to everybody? Oh, sure, sure. Do you want to discuss each one after you read it, or do you want to read all seven? Maybe it would be better to, 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 to read each one, and then we could all throw in our comments about it or whatever. Yeah, 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 let's do that. Let's go through the seven. Um, I'll, I'll read the, the short title, and then we'll go back, and we'll, I'll read the uh, paragraph, and then we can comment. So we'll go okay. one by one, but... The short, uh, these are on guardiansforliberty.com. It's uh, Liberty Restoration Action Principles. Number one is implement the precinct strategy. Number two, revitalize the Second Amendment. Number three, restore transparent elections. Number four, combat the media monopoly. Number five, defeat the police state. Six, return to constitutional money. And seven, support a non-interventionist foreign policy. So number one, we go to implement the precinct strategy. Um, the short uh, paragraph says, uh, Democratic and Republican Party leaders control virtually every county in the United States and are working against the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. We encourage liberty fighters to get involved as precinct captains or chairs in their county, in the party of their choice, or as independents. The precinct captains elect county party leaders who endorse the candidates. They change the party leaders, and then we can change the lawmakers and restore the Constitution. This is how we can take back the nation for liberty, precinct by precinct, county by county, and state by state. 
Yeah, and Kelly, and is, I'm glad you broke in here because this is why I'm running against Boehner is to promote these positive things, and I think every candidate should consider doing that. But now, as far as the first one goes, you just read the precinct thing. After many years of and a, over a decade of wanting it, thanks to a lady who you know and who maybe Robert knows named Nikki Nelson, who's a homeschool mother from Arizona, she came and probably put in four weeks or five, excuse me, four months of free work to bring this about. So networkamerica.org, anyone can go there and join up right now. And so, for instance, what's the purpose of networkamerica.org? We meet online, and then we meet in person in each county. So one good thing about networkamerica.org is anybody can talk to anybody. There's no gatekeepers. Um, anybody can start their own group. We have we put in, I think we had to pay the programmer a few hundred dollars, but in every county, in, the, in every state, you know, you got 50 states, 3,141 counties or so, every county we have in there already, Democratic Party, Republican Party, Constitution Party, Libertarian Party, and Independent as in no party, okay? Now, if somebody wanted to come along and say, well, I want to start a prepper group or I want to start a, start a uh, ham radio group, Anybody can come in and start it, anything they want, and, and and they can have a closed group or they can have an open group. But in our system, anybody can talk to anybody. There's no gatekeeper. And this is what I object to. I don't care if it's NRA, um, Campaign for Liberty, all these other groups who have hundreds of thousands and millions of people, they don't let the people talk to each other. And that's, you know, so. And then the second thing with all these other groups, I would object. They're not telling the people what to do. Now, the Campaign for Liberty, which is Ron Paul started it. I don't know who's running it now. Because um, Ron Paul does his own thing in Texas, his own videos with a fellow named Daniel McAdams, who's his last remaining assistant. And they do a great job, but he doesn't seem to have much control over Campaign for Liberty. But they don't tell people what we tell them on Network America. If you want to be influential in politics, you get into the precinct system. And that's the only way right now. We need several hundred thousand people to enter the precinct system. They can do it third party if they want. But even though I'm running Constitution Party, I, we need 600,000 people, 300,000 Democrat who run in the Democratic Party, 300,000 in the Republican Party. And, and what you do in each county, you meet online and then you say, okay, let's pick a church basement or a Perkins uh, – uh, you know, hall. Uh, they have a little room to meet, or you pick up somebody's law office, whatever. You meet somewhere, and then you start to run for precinct, which is usually very easy. Five signatures in Ohio. You're, and then you either go to the caucus or you run in the primary, where there's very few votes. A lot of one third of the precinct people are unopposed. And let's say you're a Republican, you get elected. You go. Then here's where we're losing the country, Robert and Kelly. One month later, after the March primary this coming year in Ohio and in every state, whenever their primary is one month later, there'll be a meeting of all the precinct people who got elected, who got their five signatures and got elected. They'll go, Republicans, let's say, will go to the, the convention center in downtown Cincinnati for Hamlin County, and they elect the head of the party. That, And then the Democrats maybe meet there a week later, and they elect the head of – we are losing the country in that meeting we're losing it because well, nobody knows it's happening. And well, yeah, if well, we... let, me, let me comment some more about what I'm discovering. You know, a lot of people will talk about politics and they'll watch Fox News or Glenn Beck or whoever, and they get upset. Well, 
That is the outside politics. The in-house politics is through the precinct strategy. You know, um, can you elect your county Republican chair? No, not the public, not on a ballot. How it happens is you elect your precinct captain or your precinct chair. They go to the county convention. This is in-house politics. And the question comes forward is, well, why is it that the Republican Party keeps throwing out neocon candidates? Because the in-house party is filled with neocons. You know, actually, there's a battle between conservatives and neocons. It's still going on. But when we, through the precinct strategy, get into the party, not only do we elect the chair, we elect the central committee of the county, we elect delegates to go to the, the district convention and then the state convention. But the only you can't vote on the public cannot vote on platforms of the Republican Party of your county. But if you are a precinct captain, then you can vote on the platform in the county and be a delegate to district and state, and eventually some people make it to national. So it's the in-house party politics that the American people have been completely missing and why, you know, Jim kind of wrote me in this a couple of years ago, but he's right. This is how we take the country back, and it's easy to do. Uh, yeah, and at this point, gentlemen, uh, hold on. I, I hate to interrupt, and everyone uh, here knows that I do, but it is getting to the bottom of the hour already. And so I just got some programming uh, things to do uh, before moving on. Uh, first is, of course, for folks listening out there who are already on the line, just push the one on the number dial, and we will get you into the show to later on join our roundtable discussion. But if you're out there listening and you would like to chime in, the CREC, uh, so, uh, folks who uh, has pushed out one, and we will get you on the show. I do see there's plenty of time left. We've got about two and a half hours left, so definitely plenty of time for them to chime in. Uh, for those who are out there listening and would like to chime in as well, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And if you want to draw some other folks into the show and you're a Twitter user, uh, just put in the topic of tonight's show in your Twitter feed, as long as with the link of the show, Tweet it out to your followers, and whether you're listening to the show live or on the archive, uh, do that so they can listen to the show as well. So, again, just put the title of tonight's show uh, and the link, and then share it out to your friends there on Twitter. And, of course, now let's go ahead and hear, speaking of Twitter, let's hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at patriotjournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And one last program note before we bring uh, Kelly and our guest, Jim Connor Jr., back on the line. Uh, we do have uh, Susan. We'll be bringing you in as well. And then I'll be doing a little uh, call screen uh, while you two are conversing. But also, folks, if you are in Kentucky, and this is very important because we have had one of your gubernatorial candidates here on the show, Mr. Matt Bevan. He's been on the show about two, three times, and he is in a really close race. Uh, not as close as I would like to see it, 
but a really close race with the Democrat uh, and who is the uh, attorney general of uh, Kentucky currently, and that is Conway. And Conway is leading in the polls, folks, at 42% to 37%. Uh, now, it's only a five-point gap, and the arch of error is anywhere between, uh, so what I've seen, between one point and 3.8. And actually, that's information given uh, by someone, uh, one of our anonymous contributors. Uh, but also, we do have, there's still 18% who are considered uh, undecided, which is actually three points or three percentage points less uh, than it was last week. But uh, if you were in Kentucky, uh, listen to the show and have Matt Bevin on, and I would get your folks geared up to help him in these last legs of the race. And one of the ways you could do to help him out is by going, of course, listen to the uh, the show, hear what he's got to say. Uh, but also go to his website at www.mattbevin.com, M-A-T-T-B-E-V-I-N.com, and go volunteer or uh, issue funds, whatever you need to do to ha- help him out, or else you're going to see Kentucky, your state, folks, okay, with a Democrat governor. And also, if you're not from the uh, state of Kentucky and you'd still would like to donate, you could also go there at www.mattbevin.com, uh, donate him some money. So, of course, he could get some of those uh, commercials going, as you're well know of how that can be, Jim, uh, to be able to get those commercials to help him in the fight uh, to be the governor. Now, one of the things I like about Bevin is that he is definitely a true uh, grassroots candidate, never held office before. And so, um, for me, that's uh, definitely one uh, criteria that I would like to see in our future politicians. And so, let's go ahead and we'll bring it back to you, Kelly and Jim. And then I do see that we have uh, Susan on the line as well. And I'm going to get a little uh, call screening done here while you uh, gentlemen uh, chat up. So, let's go ahead and I believe it goes over to you, Kelly. And then we're going to have our guests. Go ahead, gentlemen. Well, yeah, I, I wanted to emphasize in-house, in-house politics. When I was like 21, I was a caucus uh, at, at uh, Iowa State. Um, I started to see the in-house, in-house stuff going on. That's where the power is. And I went to uh, Libertarian State Conventions as well as the National League. This is where the candidates emerge from, and this is where we can take back America. Jim, you had a brilliant uh, statement about the battlefield. Um, something about uh, most freedom fighters don't even know where the battle is. Can you give us that quote again? Right. Actually, yeah, let me tell people. I mean, I wish we had a few hundred thousand or a few million Americans that recognize these principles as quickly as Kelly did. Because for some reason, a lot of people don't seem to get how powerful this is. I, I don't know why. Other than that, they don't hear it in grade school, they don't hear it in high school, they don't hear it from big people like Glenn Beck and Sean Hannity or, uh, you know, even Chris Matthews or anybody like that that's on TV. Um, But uh, this, um, I learned about this from a guy named Rick Heron, who's still teaching people in Ohio. In fact, I believe he taught the Warren County group that took over the Warren County Republican Party. It was a Tea Party takeover of 166 precincts, Kelly. They won 100 of the positions, and they elected the chairman and all six officers. Now, that is what should be being hap- happening in every county. But he learned it back in 1986 from Pat Robertson, who was running for president, his Freedom Council, and he, he was going to run for president in 88, two years later. And he was teaching all his supporters how the precinct system works. So Rick came back, told us, and we actually defeated the Republican Party in 1990. 
Supreme Court of Ohio and the court stole it from us. But the point is this really works. And the reason they were able to steal it from us is only a few people were watching and only a few people knew what was going on. So um, what Rick, one of the things he used to say is that it's like we're in a football game. So what Kelly said, our people, they want to fight. They want to write letters. They want to go to rallies and, and yell and, 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 you know, and make public noise, which is good. But they they don't really know where the battlefield is. See, when, when Glenn Beck brought 2 million people up to D.C., which he did, um, up back in, I think it was 2008 or nine. I can't remember. might have been 2009 or 10. But he brought a million to 2 million people there. Some people said it was as high as 2 million. Uh, they talked about, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to lobby our congressman. Uh, Dan, the cold warrior from Arizona, who comes on our network, America Calls for the Precinct thing, he was trying to get Sarah Palin, Glenn Beck, he was trying to get anybody to go up there and say, go back to your town and run for precinct to, to elect new party chairman and new congressman if they're not doing their job. Well, this, see, if Boehner or any, I don't want to pick on Boehner over the other 400 or so congressmen that aren't doing a good job, but if any of these congressmen see you come to their <laughs> office, <laughs> if they come, and I never have a signaled Boehner at to attack him. He's he's just he's like he's symptomatic of the horrible Congress we have. But but um, th- so if someone says to them, "We're going to come to your office and meet with you," they say, "Okay," and they meet with them. We're going to have a rally in D.C. or in Columbus or wherever outside of your our state capital, and 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 they 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 say, "Okay," and then they wait for us to go home, and then they go. They're gone. We can continue doing what we've been doing. Or you write them a letter, and they get the letter. I don't think they take most of them that seriously, if hardly any. Now you say, though, hey, hey, Mr. Congressman, we're all running for precinct. We're going to go to the uh, county meeting of our party. Let's say it's the Republican Party. It could be the Democratic Party. By the way, folks, I love the third parties, but but they don't control anything. The Democrats and Republicans control every county, every state, and every branch of the federal government. So that's why we got to get in there and take those parties over. Once you do that, you can change their name if you want. You know, you can change the name of the Republican Party to the Constitution Party or whatever. But my point is, if we say to the congressman, instead of we're just going to write letters, go to rallies, and so forth, we're going to go to the run for precinct, we're going to go to the county meeting and put our own chairman in, we're then going to nominate different candidates, and we're not going to nominate you. We're going to not nominate somebody to run against you, and we're going to organize all the party workers in the precincts to pass out literature for the guy we nominate. We're going to kick you out of Congress. In other words, we're coming for your job. When people, when the congressman or the city councilman realize you know how the system works through the precinct system to elect the new party chairman, endorse new candidates, restore honest elections, by the way, Robert, that's where – you can restore the transparent elections is right at the county level. Every every county tomorrow morning could say we're throwing the computers out because they're you know, that's by definition countered in secret, and we don't know who can manipulate the software at some point. So we're going to count the ballots in the open with people at each precinct, pre-selected people from each precinct neighborhood. Every county could do that tomorrow. There's nothing stopping us from doing this. So we can't say you know to use. Uh, uh, religious terminology when we get to the last judgment we can't say well god we couldn't do anything we didn't have anything how could we do any 
and and then we would hear from uh, say Michael the Archangel or whoever. No, yes, you could have. You could have run for precinct. You could have restored transparent elections, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you could have run radio ads through congressional candidates through the reasonable access law and, run, and meet reach hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people with a good message. You could have done all that. And so right now, everybody wants to do something, but they don't know what to do. And then when they do hear precinct, it's a little obscure to them, so you've got to keep pounding it into them. But that is what Kelly said is exactly right. It's in-house politics. Dan, Dan the Cold Warrior says, if you're not in the precinct system today, you're not in politics because well, you're not having an effect on the way things are going. Right, so get into, to get into the battlefield, we have to get into the precinct. Oh, that's I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I forgot, I forgot the battlefield. So nobody knows where the battlefield is, and it's the precinct system. Rick Heron used to say it's like we're at a football game, and the other team is out scoring touchdowns. We're, and we, we're the, supposed to be the opposing team, the constitutionalists. We are in the uh, locker room watching the game on a monitor. And our <laughs> leaders are saying, our leaders are saying, let's write a letter to the John Boehners and the Mitch McConnells and the Barack Obamas. Let's write a letter to them out on the on, on the field and say, hey, would you score a touchdown for us? <laughs> okay? And they get the letter, and they say, let's score a touchdown for them so they feel good. So they score one touchdown for us. Then they keep scoring 100 touchdowns for themselves. And we're in the locker room wringing our hands and looking at the, the monitor and going, oh, my gosh, this isn't going so good. Maybe we should write a letter. And this is what our leaders tell us to do, keep writing letters. Keep watching the game on the monitor. And and Rick said what we need to do is have a coach that comes in there, like maybe Coach Dave Dobbenhauer out of uh, Columbus, if anybody knows who he is. Uh, he, 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 we need someone like him to come in here and say, everybody, up, suit up, out onto the field. Now, you're going to get beat up a little at first because you're not used to this being on the field, but we'll get out there, we'll be on the field, and we'll try to win eventually. That's what we need to do, and that's what we're doing here by saying get into the precinct system. Get on the field. Get out of the locker room. And so it's almost like, and I'm going back decades of the conservative and the right to life, and you name it, the constitutional leaders, it's like they're treating all of our fellow Americans like children. Like, okay, you're at the little kid's table. You could never do a job like John Boehner and Mitch McConnell were doing. You just couldn't do it. They're superior beings. So you're at the little kid's table. Have bake sales. Write them a letter. Watch TV and watch, you know, the listen to conservative. Radio. But no, we need to tell our people get on the field right now, and you can do it at NetworkAmerica.org. In fact, Robert, if 300,000 people in each picked the Democrat and Republican Party, they could get in there within a week or two. We could have all, everybody ready, everybody ready to meet in their their county, 3,000 county organizations meeting for the Democrat and Republican precinct group. There's no reason the communists should control the Democratic Party for the rest of our lives, I always say. And there's no reason the neocons and the, the compromisers should control the Republican Party. So you get in there, and then you restore the honest elections, and then you would see the third parties start to gain some some traction, or you just change the name of the Republican Party to the Constitution Party. So that's how powerful it is, uh, this precinct system. But until people yeah. realize that's where the battlefield is, and thanks thanks for reminding me of your question, Kelly. If until until we people decide, or Robert, until we until people find out where the battle is, we aren't even on the battlefield. Right. Hey, uh, speaking of bringing some other folks in, let's go ahead and do that now. And uh, for yeah. those who are listening out there, whether uh, you're in the chat or if you are listening uh, from other means uh, to the show tonight, uh, give us a call at 347 945 
888-727-7428, and we will uh, get you in. I do see uh next person who I'll be uh, doing some call screening with is area code 407, so I'll be coming in shortly to get your name. And then, again, if folks want to chime in, give us a call, 347-945-7428. And if you are a Twitter user, just go ahead and put the title with the link on your Twitter feed and send it out to all of your followers so they can get the link to access the show, whether they were to do it tonight and be live with us or listen to the show uh, in the archive or the podcast. Welcome to that. And also, uh, for those who are here on Blog Talk Radio, uh, you may see a little follow button, which will allow you to follow the show where you will be getting some email messages on a periodic basis telling you about the upcoming shows and also some previous shows. Or you can go to the website at www.bargelogictalk.com and go to the contact page uh, where you can contact me and become a part of the email list. And so at this point, and I do see, I do keep people's mics open, uh, even when I'm doing uh, some programming uh, notes, things of that nature. Uh, so let's try to keep the background noise to a minimum. And so the first person that we're going to bring in, uh, we've got Susan on the line as well as Richard. Uh, so we'll be getting them in. And I've got, got a couple other callers uh, who's called in as well. And as I said, uh, we do have a couple. I'm going to be doing some call screening soon. But let's go ahead and welcome Susan. Thank you very much, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? And we do got somebody with some background Hi. noise. So if that's going on, let's go ahead and mute your phone until we bring it back in. Go ahead, Susan. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Fine. Hey. Welcome to the show. Yes, um... Well, I'll tell you what, if he doesn't make it there in the race, he can come to Idaho and run against my idiot, Mike Simpson. <laughs> I need someone to kick him out. <laughs> um, he's a representative of all Abador. I'm not in his district. But if you do win, you uh, need to get hold of all Abador and make friends with him. He's a good guy. Okay. So, um as as is Mark Meadows. Um, uh, as far as uh, having a Democrat for governor, let me tell you what, we have one. Which Otter is under the R, but he's a Democrat. Come on. I mean, just because it has an R doesn't mean it is. So, I'd rather have a Democrat. No, good point. Who did you name? The, 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 what, what, what governor did you name? Which Otter? He's the Idaho. I'm still not. I'm still not getting the name. A Butch Otter. Okay. What what state is that? Idaho. Oh, okay. Okay. You mean he's a Republican who acts like a Democrat? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Right. I, he, he he might as well have had that E after his name. I, uh-huh. I just utterly despise him. So. We had a good guy running against him, but he managed to weasel his way past. And uh, so, I mean, sometimes you got people that have that well, R, and, and they're just really not. Right just, now, now, you know, I Susan, I would urge you to start demanding out there. Just even if you're the only one doing it first, start demanding open elections. Because when you say that he squeezes his way past him. He might have squeezed his way past, and the boys in New York City that run National Election Pool, which is in charge of all the uh, 
websites on election night, they may have just fixed the computer so that the bad guy got in. See, this is what's so – even if somebody said, ah, Jim, I don't believe you sound like you're a conspiracy, blah, 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 it's still illegal by uh, – excuse me. By three Supreme Court decisions, it's illegal to count the votes in secret, okay? So in every state except for 20% of New Hampshire in the November election, we're counting the votes in secret on secret computers programmed by people. We don't even know who programmed the computers. I had uh, uh, John Eustead, who's the uh, attorney, uh, Secretary of State of Ohio, okay? Uh, he was at a meeting in 2000. Twelve at the farm, which is a wedding hall and banquet hall here in Cincinnati. And in response to my question, that all of the counties in Ohio, and this goes for every county in the country except for that 20% in New Hampshire, they all sign a contract with these four big election vendors who run almost every election county in the United States. They sign a contract that we're not allowed to look at the software that tells the computers what to do on election night. So we need to start noisily demanding honest elections, and when your guy doesn't win, it's perfectly legitimate to say, well, I don't know whether he won or he didn't. This election was counted in secret, and usually there's no recount, so the ballots are never looked at by the public. But but anyway, so yeah, every well, place sounds, we got this problem. That yeah, sounds David. like, I'm sure you know who she is, Phyllis Shafley. She wrote the yeah. book, uh, The Kingmakers. So, yeah, the Kingmakers in New York. Yes, I believe it. And Phyllis I is a little they... bit. Go ahead. Phyllis a little bit promoted the precinct system. I, I, I think she wrote a pamphlet on that, but it was following, it was after Rick Heron put out his stuff. But that's fine. We want everybody to promote it. And secondly, um, secondly she was going to do a big thing on vote fraud, but that never came about. And I imagine that the Republicans asked her not to do it because the Republicans are just as knee deep in these secret computer counts as the Democrats are. Oh, I, I don't doubt that because I believe Ron Paul, that Romney, that, that there was stuff going on when they, the race between all the Republican guys running for president. Right. And by the way, by the way, that Kelly brought up that how much the precinct position controls because those once you elect the party leader. They, the, the party leaders control how the delegate system is run, which is where Ron Paul got so uh, cheated and brutalized in the delegate process. And they also determine, um, and, and, and you know, the, the, the state county leaders elect the state Republican leader, and the 50 state Republican leaders elect the national leader. Mm-hmm. Right. So the precinct is really the most powerful office in the land. Well, well, Jim, uh, let me. Uh, I want to try to get through these <clears throat> other six principles on the uh, Guardians for Liberty. And uh, now, we, were just Susan, talking, we were already into number three, which is restore transparent elections. We'll get back to number two. Here's the paragraph below on the website. Secret computer programs now count the ballots in more than 99% of elections in the United States. Two standing Supreme Court decisions state that secret counts are illegal. The people must demand computer-free, machine-free elections. We must restore hand-counted paper ballots in each precinct, counted, posted, and reported before the ballots leave the public site. 
So uh, the reason oh, why I'm bringing these principles up is Jim. The reason why I bring this up what? is because Jim has been very principled in getting these oh, okay. um, um, principles together. As long as it's before, I have to get this over to them by pressing those to work around 8:30 to Hawksville, and he wants to take it tomorrow night. To be turned in Friday. Okay. So if he's, if he's home. Okay. Sounds good. I'll, I'll get a check. Okay. Fine. So, uh, Jim, do you want to go to the second? Uh, we'll yeah, well, I think, the second you know, then. Just so everybody understands, what you should have happen is, let's say, on the week before the election, you have pre-selected people could come together. They're going to get paid a hundred dollars a piece to do it, and they're going to be selected maybe out of a hat. Everybody that wants to do it count. Eight, eight, and the average precinct, you need eight counters and four backups. They're called scrutineers in the old election lingo. And everybody would want to make 100 cars for counting 50 or so ballots. So you'd have a, everybody's name in a hat. You'd pick 12 of them, four backups, and eight, eight you know, counters with the, the front-line counters. And then you count the ballots. Right as the polls close, you dump the ballots out of the box. They've never left the judges' sites. And the Board of Elections sets up your judges, so the counters would be different than the judges. Anybody can be there the whole day. Anybody can watch the count. And I could go into this. What really should happen is we should build buildings just for counting votes with cameras on the ceiling. But we won't get into all that now. The main thing is you count the ballots before they leave the people's site. You don't let the county snatch the votes, run downtown behind police guard, run them through a computer that's programmed by we don't even know who, violating three standing Supreme Court decisions and, and most state laws, if not every state law by comes in. So that's how we solve that. Simple as that, computer-free, election-free. Anybody that's not familiar with this, you, there's an HBO movie out called Hacking Democracy starring Bev Harris, who got involved in the year 2000. And that's a good movie to watch. And uh, you'll see in there how, easy, how the, these computers can easily be manipulated. So that's number two, basically, Kelly, or three. Yeah, if you want to go back. That's actually number three, but we were on that topic. Number, so uh, yeah, number you're right. Two, number three. Yeah. Yeah, no, number two, revitalize the Second Amendment. First clause of the Second Amendment is the Founding Fathers' vision for maintaining a free nation. In addition to restoring fully the right to own and bear arms individually, we must also restore the implementation of the first clause, which instructs each state to organize and train well-regulated, disciplined forces under the government and under a designated local official in each county to repel foreign invaders, to aid the citizenry during national disasters, and to restrain public officials from violating their constitutional rights of citizens. So, yeah, tell us a little bit more about about you know, the full Second Amendment. Well, we all know that the... Um, <clears throat> that the Founding Fathers wanted us to be able to keep and bear arms because they said, you know, the right of every, uh, the, the right of every um, citizen to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. But then there's that more quizzical or more obscure statement that says the well-regulated militia. <clears throat> and I once, years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I heard a debate between an, an NRA-type guy and the ACLU on TV, and the ACLU guy said, yes, but that well-regulated militia, that is who should have the guns. That's why they put well-regulated militia in there. And even though it wasn't completely persuasive, I thought after the debate, 
boy, our guy didn't answer that point that well. He didn't he didn't really refute the well regulated militia, which sounds like it's some kind of a government thing. Well, Edwin Vieira, V I E I R A, who's the brother of Meredith Vieira, who was the host for Good Morning America, I think, for many years, maybe still is. Edwin Vieira is one of the top constitutional lawyers in the country. He's won several cases before the Supreme Court. He lost one. He said they cheated him, and I believe him. But if you go to newswithviews.com for free, you can read eight articles on the militia of the several states by Edwin Vieira. He also has a book out called Constitutional Homeland Security, which is kind of a, a play on the popular term Homeland Security, and that is 200 pages. Then he also has a 2,000-page book that is named wow. something like the Militia of the Several States. That's never been published in paper, but you can buy it online as a um, as, as an e-book. And he also has a book called The Three Rights, like T-H-R-E-E, Rights, which explains what... Now, the whole point here is who was the... And he explains what the Founding Fathers meant, the Federalist Place Papers, you name it. And the, the well-regulated militia was simply, as we said in the point, all able-bodied men between 18 and 45 at that time. Of course, now people are living longer. Now you could let the women join if they wanted to join, because a lot of women have protected themselves and others with uh, with firearms from 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 assault or whatever. Um, and, and so that was it. The well-regulated militia was everybody, and it was underneath the the governor and the and the sheriff. Or you could say we're going to have a special. Uh, you know, a special um, militia leader for the state who would work work in tandem with the elected officials, uh, and you would let the militia people all elect that guy and the county leader as well, uh, just like we would now elect the party leaders in the precinct meeting. So the, the militia, the well-regulated militia was everybody, and they had to show up once a year for training or they had to pay a $50 fine if they didn't show up or something. But the founding fathers were worried about you know, natural disasters like we're seeing in South Carolina right now. The militia mm-hmm. could go into. Uh, they were worried about foreign invasion, but they were mainly worried about the government getting out of control. Our own government. That's what they were mainly worried about. And many people say, like David Callahan and my friend Nick Landholt in Texas, they say, "Look, we need the precinct movement and the militia because when they were cheating Ron Paul delegates." In 2012, or anybody's delegates, you needed to have the militia, the local militia, that would be recognized as a real entity. The citizens come in and say, no way, you're not going to be doing this. We're going to have a fair convention here, and so on and so forth. So the militia would be work hand-in-hand with the precinct people. Dr. Edwin Vera calls it the power of the the sword. You need the, the political power, but then you need the power of the sword as well. That's That's number two for Guardians for Liberty. And at this time, uh, gentlemen and ladies, I would like to uh, bring in, remember, folks, uh, if you have any background noise, if you can mute the uh, the phone or mic that you're on uh, so we can keep that in minimum because I do uh, keep the mics open. And so if people want to make uh, you know some comments or like to chime in. But let's go ahead, and we have uh, Richard on the line. And then after Richard, we have Nathan. And then after Nathan, we do have another caller. I'll be coming in. Uh, to do a call screening with you as well. And for anyone else like to chime in out there, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And, uh, folks, let's go ahead and keep that background noise as, uh, as low as we can. So let's go ahead and welcome Richard. Richard, thank you for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Well, I'm very, very good. And uh, 
just want to say uh, hello to Robert and Kelly and uh, Jim. Uh, uh, hello. You know, he, hi, and uh, you know what was interesting? It was interesting the topic about the the you know uh, getting getting control of getting back control of the uh, the Republican and the Democratic Party uh, structure, which is now at this stage of the game is just basically it's one one party with you know two two competing you know uh wings of of a crime syndicate or uh, organization um you know restoring a, a genuine two party system to the country and and especially interesting because a lot of uh, a lot of republicans were taken aback today when they noticed that that uh, Devin Nunez uh believes a congressman from California here in my state and uh, he is um the head of the Ironically, uh, titled in his case the House Intelligence Committee, which is for him an oxymoron. But he, uh, but, <laughs> but, but he said that uh, you know all you uh, all you um, members of the uh, conservative caucus here in the GOP, if you're not going to go along with the program with uh, with our candidate uh, Kevin McCarthy, well, you know you might you might just basically want to consider yourself not not a Republican, and you might just not want to. Participate in, in the caucus anymore, and um, that was kind of like we've just gotten rid of sort of a you know a soft dictator in in the form of uh, John Boehner, and what appears they're they're signaling or they're uh, you know they're telegraphing that that they're planning to put another one just like him in in his place, and so. So it's especially, it's especially, uh, you know, what Jim has been talking about here is especially something that might be very appealing to a lot of folks out there that you know that want to get a control of, you know, get a handle on their party again. Yes. By the way, I want to second your your language that these are criminal operations, and I'm not name calling. They are oh, no. voting against. They are voting against the Constitution in many cases. They've viscer- eviscerated the Fourth Amendment of search and seizure, and they all just, so many of them love the NSA snooping on everybody's email, who you're talking to. I don't believe for a minute they don't record any call they want. They say, oh, no, we're not recording call. I don't believe that for a minute. They're building something five football, five fields long out in Utah or something, to, or, or one of the Colorado to house the NSA. I mean, I'd like to turn it into a jail and put all the people who are doing the snooping in the jail, you know. So I totally well, about 90%, that. Uh... Yeah, I, I agree. Ninety percent of members of Congress, whether it be in the House or the Senate, are uh, are in violation of their of their sworn oath uh, to, to defend the Constitution and to Absolutely. you know. So and and uh, and it's interesting that uh, that uh, you see you see how valuable secrecy is to the kind of operation that is going on in all levels of government, whether it be the judicial or the executive or the uh, legislative branch, because whenever you have somebody like Edward Snowden who discloses things that should not be kept secret from the American people, that should not be overclassified, whenever you have WikiLeaks, whenever you have, you know, private now Chelsea Manning uh, disclosing these things, the hammer comes down on these people if they can get their hands on them. And then you have people like John Kerry, Secretary of State Kerry, and you have people like uh, you know, Zbigniew Nif Brzezinski um, out there complaining in their little uh, you know their little enclaves of like-minded uh, you know globalist tyrants 
uh, and fellow travelers that, uh, you know, it's just terrible, terrible we have this alternate uh, alternative media and the Internet out there where all these people can have access to all this information that we really need to control. Of course, you know, they don't put it exactly in those terms, but if you translate it in, into, you know, plain English, that's exactly what they're, they, they're saying. It, it This scares them to death. This hey, new, hey, Richard, new avenue. Mm, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, Richard, you know, you're you're making some excellent, excellent points. And, uh, you know, I, I have to agree with Rand Paul, or maybe it was Ron Paul, when they were saying, Snowden has committed a crime. He's a traitor. Blah, blah. And they said, look, it can't be a crime to expose a crime. <laughs> and no. Snowden exposed a crime. They were illegal searching and seizure, seizuring whatever, the, the, the information and communications of their claiming hundreds of millions of Americans. I don't even know how it's possible, but they're claiming they did this. So that's number one. Number two. Well, please some else, Jim. Go ahead. I'm sorry. One other thing real quick. Some other idiot congressman said, it might have been Congressman King of New York City, who's I guess because he's near the New York media, they have him on all the time. Oh, he's Peter a big King. Neocon, oh, yeah, Peter Ugh. King, neocon police state guy. And he came on and said, someone like him came on and said, it might have been him, why didn't Edward Snowden come to Congress and then go through the normal whistleblower uh, uh, channels? I'll tell you why, Congressman, because he didn't want to end up dead. If he had done that, we would never have heard of Edward Snowden, or he would be in prison somewhere. And the Barack Obama, but but W was just about as bad, and Clinton was just about as bad. They throttle whistleblowers; they don't help them. So go ahead, Richard. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You know, and the other thing too, as far as you know, the the domestic surveillance uh, industrial complex goes that that this government has set up against its own citizens is that if there is, and I and I told my mom this. My mom's 90, 95 years old, lives out in you know Phoenix, Arizona, and she you know depends on me to kind of bring her up to speed on what she's watching on the stupid uh, cable news networks. I told her, I said, if anybody thinks, if anybody can possibly think that this government is not creating a national um, enemies of the state list, and that can in, include you know uh, people of the Ron Paul persuasion people of the Tea Party persuasion, people conservatives in general, and even people, sort of, some of our counterparts counter, uh, on the far left that we can practically reach out and shake hands with on a lot of these issues, they are, they're delusion, uh, because that is the whole point of the whole thing. And this goes all the way back to, you know, the 1956 to 1960 with uh, Chairman Mao, you know, uh, basically having all the um, his police state apparatus going around collecting information on people, and they knew who all the enemies were, and they were able to round up hundreds of thousands, of, in fact, millions of people, when it came time to you know purge the count of revolutionaries. And, it, and if anyone thinks that's not going on right now, they're they're extremely deceived. And the and the technology is infinitely better now. In fact, oh, absolutely, I believe. Just by inference, that the if Bill Bill Gates is said to be kind of a libertarian, okay, maybe, but mm. even if he is, even if he is, they, they, I, I believe that the powers that be in the CIA or some agency we never heard of came to him and said, "Now look, for national security, you and 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 uh, Apple, you're going to let us into every device because we got to." What they're doing, and I think that this is worth it for a while or how they're trying to turn the Internet to their advantage, 
they, I believe, can see in everyone's computer. Just like, you know, I I give Microsoft permission to come in and do updates on my computer because I'll forget to mm-hmm. do them. So I wake up some mornings and I left the computer on and, and it's been shut down. Okay, because they did the did the updates and then they had to restart it. Okay, mm-hmm. so then I, I see my password. Well, if they can do that with my permission, don't think for a minute that those who have commandeered the apparatus of the internet and it was started by the military can't come in and see what we're who we're emailing to and we're visiting this site or that site that's a patriotic site that's standing up for the constitution of the site. of course they can so well, the technology what? absolutely exists and and it was revealed in a uh in a, a TED talk when which the gentleman had you know uh, contacts within, uh, you know, people who were basically disclosing to him uh, from the back door of some of these intelligence agencies the exact apparatus that is used um, that is used to do that. And yeah. um, you know, I mean, I know I'm I know I'm not naive about this. I know I'm already on an enemy of the state list. So at this well, point, I'm going full bore. I'm not even worrying about it because because you know the the expression you know the ship has already sailed. The horses are already out of the barn. So. I mean, yeah, every, it is what it is. Everybody, yeah, every. First of all, too, when they took over communist countries like China or or, or, or Cambodia, they mm-hmm. just came into villages, and yeah, they would get the enemies of the state, quote unquote, the anti-communists. They'd also pick out a bunch of other men and women just for the heck of it and shoot them, and nobody knew why they picked them out. So th- this random terror is also a part of the. A ruling elite who, and let's, you know, again, I, if someone disagrees, feel free to disagree. But behind communism, and quite frankly behind Nazism, although that's another story, is the international bankers going back to the Fed in 1913. And, uh, you know, the, the international bankers around the IMF, the Federal Reserve hey, Board. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, before we jump into return constitutional money, let's go ahead and read number five. And again, folks. Jim Conant was very instrumental in developing these seven principles uh, is, on the Guardian for Liberty do, page. So we're, we're, we're we knocking out four? number five. What? Did we do four? Uh, we kind of skipped over that, but we'll get to we'll, – you were covering number five, okay? Number five okay, is – Okay, go ahead. Yeah, and, real, and real quick, Kelly, real quick, uh, programming notes, we are, you know, a little bit past the, the top of the hour. Uh, we'll, we will get through the uh, the number five that you're discussing, and then I do want to bring uh, Nathan in after that, and I appreciate everyone's uh, patience in coming into the show, but we will get you in. And then uh, we also have Ed on the line uh, who'd like to uh, chime in as well. So let's go. Yeah, we'll get through that point, and then we'll bring in Nathan. And then, uh, well, of course, we'll have some more discussion, and we'll be bringing Ed in as well. Uh, so go ahead, Kelly, and then uh, over to you, James. Yeah, Jim. so this is number five. Um, yeah, defeat the police day. We just covered that. Now, before I read this, you know, it's coming out of Jim's heart, what you're hearing. I mean, obviously, this is teleprompter free, but it's coming out of his heart. He kind of jumps around a little bit. But you can obviously see why I like this guy so much. All right, number five, defeat the police state. According to such sources as the Denver Post, Washington Post, and Forbes, the Department of Homeland Security has bought 1.5 billion rounds of ammunition, 2,700-plus armored tanks to patrol the streets of the United States, and is building 30,000 killer spy drones to fly over our nation. Other incursions against our freedoms are exemplified by the NDAA, the so-called Patriot Act, Agenda 21, SOPA, SIPA, etc. We must defeat this encroaching 
police state by defending the true freedoms of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And we've got to keep moving or we're not going to get through all seven. Um, but it comes out of Jim's heart. Okay, Robert, did you want to do something? Well, you can go ahead, Jim, if you want to uh, talk more on the point that Kelly is bringing up, and then we're going to bring Nathan in. No, no, I'll be real brief. Um, I think the only thing I want to say about that is I don't want to spread doom and gloom, though, like Richard just said. We're, they already got anybody identified. They know, Robert, you're doing If they want, they know who's doing patriotic programs. And by patriotic, I just mean normal American programs, constitutional programs. So that is not what to focus on. The focus on get into network America, start organizing with your fellow Americans, and there's 300 million guns out here, and you see the media is just angsting and going nuts to try to figure a way to take the guns away because that is why they can't move on us, is they know that if things get to the tipping point, uh, I, 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 and I, I say this lovingly, but I always tell my brother, who's four years younger than me and is a, is a lawyer, the you know the powers that be behind the Fed and Goldman Sachs and the IMF they're not waiting uh, waiting to act because of the arguments that you and I are saying over talk radio. They're afraid of the hillbillies in Norwood, which is a place in Cincinnati known to be a blue collar kind of hillbilly area for decades. They're afraid of the hillbillies in Norwood who will shoot first and ask questions later if the country starts to break down. They're afraid of the guns that are out here. So the power is still in our hands, but we need some leadership and we need to start organizing together. And again, that's why I'm heavily promoting NetworkAmerica.org, where there's no gatekeepers and anybody can talk to anybody. And speaking of talking to uh, other folks, let's go ahead and bring in Nathan in. Nathan, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Yeah, hey, that was pretty interesting. I hate that I'm all, I feel like I'm taking you back back to another subject that gets away from a really good uh, conversation there. But listen, earlier when you were we'll talking, bring it both around. Go ahead. Okay, earlier whenever you were talking about um, um, getting everybody organized at the bottom, I thought of several things. Uh, from the past that that um, makes it hard for me to get really excited. The uh, um, first Lincoln was a third-party candidate in in a four-party race, and that that was what was able to break the mode of the of the the party the parties being in control of the political process. Um, so, and he only won with 38.9 percent. You know, he didn't get the biggest piece of the pie. He just he, he didn't get the majority of the pie. He just got the biggest piece of the pie. But anyway, I just want to throw that out. Um, we, I, I'm I'm for getting away from the two-party political rule. The, the Constitution doesn't speak of parties. It, it speaks of open primaries. Uh, uh, the president, there is no electoral college. The president doesn't pick his running mate. Uh, there's two different elections, if you read it, and it's repeated. Uh, there's there's a... Uh, uh, a election for president, election for price, vice president, and and the electors are the people we get to vote for. The two parties don't own and control who who's appointed, and they don't control how they vote. They vote their conscience. But here's my reluctance on this thing, and then I'm going to hang up and keep listening. In 2009, we had over 30,000 citizens, common citizens, people like the people on this show and people listening to it, ran for offices. And I, I remember it was basically, the other than a handful of people across the country uh, that broke the ceiling, as they say it, we got the same Republicans and the same Democrats reelected. Here in 
Orlando in Florida, we had 23 people running for U.S. Senate, okay? There was a constitutional scholar that had something like $12,000 in an account, and he was saying he would have a debate with anybody. If they proved him wrong, they could have the money, and he would drop out. This guy, I think the most he was able to get is in the newspaper, like on page 54. Uh, we had... Um, you know, we we had, like I said, we had a lot of people, a lot of talent, lawyers and everybody running, and, and the only people that got any kind of press was Rubio, Meeks, and Chris. And uh, mm-hmm. and, and it was like you walked in, they didn't even have a primary. They had a primary for the, the, the Congress, but they didn't have a primary for the Senate. And then when you, Rubio walked into the room, there was two citizen candidates running, and you walked in and you see Rubio in two names you've never even heard from him, and, and that's why he won with, with 84%. So the strongholds at the top, I remember in the Senate race, we had a Navy SEAL came back, and he knew from Afghanistan and, and Iraq, and he knew what we needed to do in the war from Congress to be able to beat it. So he was running on that, and the Republican Party had uh, cornered him and said, look, all you're going to do is split the vote. We'll, and they gave them a radio station, a radio show on a local station here, and, and just basically let him beat the drum for uh, Daniel Webster. Daniel Webster won. And then uh, six months after uh, he won, they moved him to a, a computer show, and he just walked away from that because he wasn't a media person. you know. But they, they, they helped him get the vision that we got, you're going to split the vote, and, and, and then we're going to get the Democrats are going to win, and it was all over. And then after that, I remember uh, Joseph Farah of World Net Daily, he had uh, this campaign of where's the, the uh, he wanted to put billboards up all across the country asking the question, where's the birth certificate? And he, he could only get a small few, just a small, small handful of, of billboards rented, uh, with his message, and the reason is, is Mitt Romney owns Clear Channel. So I hear Rush talking about the Obama media, but he won't talk about uh, the Romney media. He works, and and all these, ta- uh, uh, all these, a lot of these major media. The, it's the biggest media, what you would call a conservative media, in in the country. And and it's wonder why Mitt Romney keeps coming back up, and his record doesn't uh, get mentioned. You know, so I think well, you know you're, you're leading into something. Top. Yeah, you, you've led into something really good here, which is number four: combat the media. Hey, by the monopoly. way, Nathan. Yeah, but wait, Nathan, don't hang up though. Don't hang up. You said you were gonna hang up. Don't hang up. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah. So I mean, this is again another thing Jim sees as a, as a problem. All right. Number four: combat the media monopoly. A ruling elite controls news, art, and culture through a giant media cartel, especially ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, Fox, AP as well as related mainstream media such as Clear Channel Radio, Simon & Schulster, Sony, ATP, Verizon, etc. Americans must be made aware of this reality. We need to encourage, support, and redirect people to independent, accurate news sources and uplifting, liberty-minded, historically accurate programs, movies, music, and art, both on and offline. Americans must oppose any effort to stifle free communication and speech on the Internet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Here, here, let's give me my moderator role. Uh, We'll go ahead and bring it over to uh, you to make some comments on that, Jim, as our guest, and then we'll bring it back to you, Nathan. Go ahead, Jim. 
Okay, yeah, real quickly, uh, Nathan, let me explain, though. I understand what you're saying, that Lincoln did this and Linda did that, but they had an honest count in those days. They they counted the votes at every precinct, yeah. in the open, right at the end. Right now, what I'm, what I'm saying is, even though I hate the Democrat and Republican parties politically, I hate both of them politically, okay? I don't wish the John Boehner stubs his toe tonight or anything. I'm just saying what they stand for politically, I hate them. But they, the powers behind them, which I believe are the international banks, follow the money. They're the ones who got the money to set up and buy all the election companies and so forth. They, the powers that be, have got the system rigged against us. They got, so if we continue going how we're going, one, the, the Navy SEAL will never get the coverage, and the constitutional lawyer will never get the coverage. Uh, but I'm I'm not even so worried about the and uh, the criminal way that they suppress the news. They tried to suppress Ron Paul. They suppressed Jim Trafficant for decades, who who should have at least been seen by the American people because he was a man of the people. Um, but I, I'm worried about the count. If we had an honest count, I don't care. The internet is strong enough now. The internet is strong enough now. If we had an honest count we could then start electing these types of people. They could get their publicity through the Internet. We could spread everywhere. Don't even listen to the five big TV networks and Clear Channel unless you realize they're speaking for the ruling elite. And so we, if we mm-hmm. can get an honest count. Now, the only way for us to get an honest count is to replace the Democrat and Republican chairman and, and organizations at the county level, then they can throw out the computers and get an honest count. That, if, if I thought we could get an honest, honest count tomorrow, I would say let's go for the Constitution Party. Maybe some people would go for the Libertarian Party, and let's just build them up and we'll win the elections. But we're not going to win the elections as long as we got a, a national election poll, which is owned by the five TV networks and AP, um, uh, announcing the winners and counting the votes in secret on election night. So the only reason mm-hmm. I'm saying we have to go into the county Democrat and Republican parties is we got to change those parties and then get, make an honest count because they got to yeah. checkmate it for the next thousand years if we don't get an honest count at each precinct. Yeah. Well, here's what I would – and it's funny you talk about the election. Uh, uh, if you look into Mitt Romney's family, his his him his wife is deeper into it, but his son Tag is really into it. He he they are heavily invested in the voting machines. I mean they own uh, his son Tag owns the company. Uh, he bought well that known, but he bought real high uh, stock in a company that. And see, and this is the whole thing. Our, our elections is a business. You know, it should be, like you said, just a box where somebody walks in there, presents their ID, fills it out and drops it in a box, and it's all under under uh, camera, and, and it's counted without anything getting moved from the building. And, uh, right. and you know, so, but the thing is, is that this is what I noticed. I've noticed this in, in all the elections, but I really paid extra close attention to it in uh in uh, um, in the 2000, it's like they had primary debates, and then they wouldn't have, uh, you know, some candidates wouldn't. Yeah, it was just some races didn't have debates, and it's like you knew what they were doing. They were they were they were uh, didn't they didn't want this guy to get asked this question, uh, like Marco Rubio's uh, amnesty. He's he's been pushing amnesty as a state state uh senator uh but then all of a sudden you know he he's not talking to people he's talking to the people through the wall the media wall you know they go on a show yeah. 
Um, and and then we eat, you know. And if you go back in Rubio's show, uh, 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 voting record since he's been in D.C. now, and and just start counting up his president not voting, his no votes. We've seen that with Obama. Nobody knew what he believed because he he set out all of his votes. And and Rubio's got a bunch of them, you know. And and the thing is, is that they're, they're it's just a party. The tea, and the Tea Party, the, the Tea Party got hijacked by the Republicans. As soon right. as I remember, here in Orlando, we had uh, the the, the uh, people that started it, and they were just common housewives and a couple other people loaning their talents. And then all of a sudden, we got a Tea Party, and they made the announcement: no, no, no politicians will stand on the stage. They can come, and we will make a note publicly who who showed up. But we want you to hear what we got to say. And they had their Tea Party movement, and it was thousands and thousands of people there, and and it just it was just beyond your 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 imagination. And then they schedule another Tea Party, and then all of a sudden we got uh, uh, buses that are founded and funded by political consultants in the GOP, and they're trolling through the city to city, coming in with their buses and getting off with Republicans. Uh, uh, professional media, professional entertainment, and 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 cons- it was all it was all professional, and they're on the stage, and they're up there talking about, well, we're the Tea Party, and them bad Democrats, and and they hijacked it. Now we got a lot of people um, that are what well, we're right now. They're like the last I seen it was 62 percent in Florida. It's 42 percent across the nation uh, nationally, but Ohio's over 60 percent. Uh, I think it's uh, over about 54, 55% in Massachusetts. These people are split, uh, uh, leaving the the two parties, mostly the Republican Party, and they're switching to independents. Okay, and and so that looks like ah, uh, but now I'm seeing the Democrats are trying to jump in front of the independent movement and and lead them back into the to the uh, Democrat side because they've pushed through a law and these are all devout democrats at the top i'm talking about people that are are activists and and they've pushed through the laws in a lot of states called top two candidates okay well what, who's the top two candidates top two candidates that can afford to put the money out there and get in the media and here's the thing i've seen people we've been told that it's it's uh, uh all politics is local it's not the, the strongholds at the top because i saw candidates down here at the bottom that had real life experience that could bring something to the job <clears throat> and they're out there trying to get a, 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 a half a paragraph in the newspaper while this other guy has money going into commercials and they're coming down and standing on the stage with them and and it's like you know how do you beat that so we got we got a problem and I, I, here's the thing: I don't think we got a lot of elections that can get turned around. I don't know if you've noticed in Europe, uh, but all these refugees coming from the Middle East going there for for refuge. You're not seeing a lot of old people and a lot of young women, uh, women with young children. It's all men in their late teens, thirties, and twenties, and 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 they look strong. And 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 uh, I, I uh, we ain't got much time, man. The politics. Well, Trump. Let's get back on uh, uh, this Kelly again. Um, we'll, we'll get into yeah, our policy because people want to know. Okay, hold on. Too many people are talking. I got to butt in. Um, okay. Yeah, that, that drives me nuts because I, I hear that on the, the so-called uh, conservative news channels all the time, and uh, it drives me nuts. Here's how we're going to do it. Okay. 
we're going to go ahead and bring it over to you, Kelly. Then we're going to have uh, Jim uh, Condit, our guest, who is going to uh, make a reply on that. And then we're going to uh, bring Ed into the show. Okay, so Ed will be bringing you on shortly. Ed is our uh, anti-federalist. I uh, can't wait to hear from him. And then Susan, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, still about there. We're going to bring you back in. And so that's kind of our line here. Nathan, uh, I, you know, okay. hopefully you'll still be able to stay on. Okay. Okay. If, uh, if you'd like to call in, give us a call. Call us call back, but it, it, it would have to be before the top of the next hour because, folks, in the top of the next hour, we have our extended period, which unfortunately uh, will not be live. However, it will be uh, av- on, available for the podcast. But if you uh, call after the top of the hour, uh, you will not be able to get back into the show. So for those of you who would like to uh, get into the show, give us a call at 347-945-7428, and uh, we will get you in. And also press the one on the number dial, and uh, we'll get you into – oh, that's really bad. Whoever's got that, please turn that off. Um, and so uh, what we'll do is we'll go over to you, Kelly, and then we'll bring it to Jim. Then let's go ahead and uh, bring Ed in, and then Susan and Richard, we're going to get you back in, too. And so let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Kelly. Go ahead. Okay, well, yeah, to help help Jim get into office, people want to know, who is this guy? What does he stand for? Again, seven principles on Guardians for Liberty. We are at number six, and then we'll get to number seven. So when people get a good cross-section of what Jim is like, then hopefully we'll get him into Congress. So here's number six, which we were talking about money a little bit uh, related to the media monopoly, but number six, return to constitutional money. The Federal Reserve operates in secret and is destroying our nation's money. Replace the Fed with a monetary office under Congress as authorized by the Constitution. Operating in the open, issuing interest-free money, or redeemable in gold or silver, which has interesting value, and do this to the nation, and ensure that the nation's money supply is approximately equivalent to available goods and services in order to facilitate the needs of businesses and commerce. Or you, Jim. Okay, yeah, I, I just wanted to comment on, I really agreed with Nathan's analysis of the obstacles we face and the, you know, the takeover of money and then the takeover of uh of of the the, the takeover of money in 1913 facilitated the eventual takeover of the media and the takeover of the politicians and the takeover of the election system. So we're facing all these obstacles, and while it is true that all politics as of now is not local, uh, it could become, the decisive part of politics could become local if we all get into the precinct system, but we just have to face the unpleasant reality that the Democrat and Republican Party control everything. So we've got to get in there, dislodge the the subversives and the, the stupid and the opportunists who are running the Democrat and Republican Party, and then that's how we take the country back. Outside of the 1776-2 solution, you know, second time around, which none of us want to see because the Civil War is the last thing you ever want to see, the precinct system is set up. It's there for us to use. And the only thing stopping us from using it is us. Now, on the money, uh, that's a big subject, and I did want to touch on this, so I'm glad Kelly thought of reading these principles. But one thing I don't see any system addressing except for one system, and that's the system of C.H. Douglas, is how much money 
should be in circulation at any given time, okay? And the Federal Reserve has their own formula. Like somebody said earlier in the program, it's another one of these secret formulas. We don't really know how much money they put in. They even announced about four or five years ago, maybe seven years ago, we're not going to tell you anymore how much money we're putting into circulation. That's called the M3, I think. They said, we're not going to tell you. We're supposed to be trafficking. used to say we're the, a free country, and we're letting a few bankers dictate in secret our monetary system. And, and so the point is, is that the 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 thing I've never seen anyone address is in the in the I don't care if it's Austrian economics or anywhere. I I, uh, I urge if someone knows where this is addressed, please show me. But it's how much money should we put in circulation? And C. H. Douglas and his crowd back in 1917 said we need to try to put in um, is money in circulation to about equal the goods and services available in the country. So when Kennedy ran against Nixon in 1960, we had um, 180 million people in the country. I was seven years old, and we were paying attention to that election in the Catholic schools because Kennedy was Catholic. And I remember them saying that a lot. We had 180 million Americans. Well, now we have like 300 million or 320 million. So obviously we need more money in circulation now than we did then. But how do you determine this? And the way you determine it is by doing the best you can to estimate the amount of goods and services, the GNP that's available, and then make the amount of money in circulation about equal that. So the GNP, according to, again, I wouldn't go to the bank on these uh, figures, so to speak, but someone that I trust to be a good researcher says our GNP is $16 trillion. Our cash in circulation, including credit cards and everything, you know, not credit cards, but the cash in circulation, uh, both in money and in digital money, which is what most money is moving around the banks, is about $9 trillion. So there's a gap of like $6 trillion. Uh, $15 trillion, I think, was the GNP. There's a gap of $6 trillion, and money, that money needs to be put into circulation. And um, uh, I don't know if we want to go into this any deeper in this, in this show. Because we could do a whole show on this. And then you back your money, as the Constitution demands, by gold and silver, and if there's not enough gold and silver to go around, you could add in platinum or some other hard metal, and uh, and that's for if if and when a currency crashes, the gold and silver, as everybody knows, is still worth something. The paper money, if a country crashes, is worth nothing at, at the time it crashes. But our American money, and I have this argument with my fellow constitutionalists all the time, they'll say the dollar is toilet paper. No, it is not. If we can go down and buy food and gas and, and and uh, you know, computers at reasonable prices and all the other goods, the United States issued dollar is still not toilet paper because it does buy goods and services, but it's obviously got a lot of flaws the way we're running. So we need to, uh, I would just close this up by saying that there's an article on the internet for free called The Money Myth Exploded by Lewis Even, E-V-E-N. Uh, he was a Canadian. And there's a book on the internet for free called This Age of Plenty. And that book is also by Lewis Even, and it's it's all free. And it would explain the principles of this system, which in Canada and Britain they call social credit, which is a horrible name for America because it sounds when you get social out, it sounds like you're going to uh, call it socialism. There were there were say socialism. There were panels set up in 1939. Uh, it was ruled that this is not socialism because there's no central planning. But that's the, that's the problem we have today. The Fed is charging us interest every time they issue a dollar. We need to send them home, and there's a provision in the Federal Reserve Act to buy it, you know, to, to buy them out. 
Uh, I'd like to put put them on trial and put them in jail. But let's just say we just buy them out and say Janet Yellen, Ben Bernanke, Alan Greenspan, go home, you're done. We set up a national monetary office under Congress, and that's how uh, we could solve all these these gloomy, like we're going to be forever in gloomy economic times when we got the greatest age of plenty ever, okay? So um, the, uh, the, the, the point is, is that this is one way we could solve it. I'll be, so I'll be back in just a second. I'll be back in just a second, okay? I got I got to go for okay. one second, Robert Kelly, or you or the next caller could talk. But well, actually, I'm going to be bringing in uh, Ed, and so I really appreciate uh, your patience, Ed. And I see uh, we've got another caller who'd like to uh, chime in, and uh, there's our friend uh, Christine Timmon, who will be on our show uh, next week. Uh, we'll be having her on the 13th uh, to talk about what she's been working on which has definitely been uh, a hefty lot. And so we will get uh, her into the show. But first, uh, we're going to go with you, Ed. And then, of course, as I said, we'll bring it back to Susan and then Richard. And then we'll be bringing her back in. But at this time, let's go ahead and welcome Ed, our anti-federalist. Welcome to the show, Ed. How are you today? All right. Um, It's pretty interesting what you got going on tonight. I actually went to their website and I'm signing up for the precinct thing, not that I'm really that much into it. I'm more of a Patrick Henry guy, uh, the anti-Federalist vision, uh, rather than a Federalist. You know, uh, they're trying to change the Federalist, and that's going to be a hard, hard fight. I, I think we get better off fighting on a state level. Um, when, when Patrick Henry was invited to the Constitutional Convention, he said, I smell a rat, and he refused to go. Of course, that ratty smell was uh, Hamilton, who brought us the first bank, which um, later Jefferson and uh, Jackson defeated. But basically, well, the, the power struggles between those who want a strong, centralized government and those who want decentralized government and the power to be home at their states and local levels with very little interference where the, the central government is going to listen to what the Constitution says, and it's going to be small and chained down, and that's how Jefferson's seen it, and that's what we need, limited government. Trying to take it back by the precincts is going to be a hard, hard fight that way. I think our best way is state nullification and joint nullification. Nullification today, nullification tomorrow, nullification forever. We had nullification yesterday um, with the 18th Amendment was bad law. It tried to make outlaws out of people who grew grapes and made wine, and it was stupid. It was repealed because people said, we're not going to send people to jail anymore for this 18th Amendment, and it was repealed with the 21st Amendment. We need to repeal the 17th Amendment. We need to repeal the 16th Amendment. We can do it at the state level. It's at the state level we can nullify laws. So at the state level, we need to wake the people up and say, hey, we're not going to enforce the marijuana 1937 Marijuana Tax Act. This is bad law. The federal government makes many bad laws. We don't like all this police force the federal government's using, and our state's not going to allow them in here. Our state's going to defend for the people because it's reserved in the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. We need to move back in that direction. Nullification, nullification, nullification. Okay. Um, Ed, let me ask you a question, though. See, that is, I'm all for nullification, and I heard, uh, is it Tom Woods? I think Tom Woods has even met with state legislatures on how to do uh, yeah, nullification. I'm all for, 
I met Tom before. Yeah. He's pretty cool. I'm all for nullification. I'm all for jury nullification. I wish we could imbue by by intravenous feeding into every American how you use jury <laughs> nullification. Because that, that would throw a wrench in the works right now everywhere. But unfortunately. But I don't. I want to ask us not to just think in defensive mode. That's defensive mode. Why should we let no, the it's banners? Offense, it's offensive mode. Hold on one at a time, folks. Okay. Hold on okay, one well, at a time. In a sense, go ahead, Jim. Then back to you. Uh, okay. In a sense, it's offensive. Okay. In a, can, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, Robert? I can hear you, Jim. I can okay, hear you, Jim. I tried. No, I, I didn't know if I muted myself accidentally. In a sense, it's offensive mode, yes. But you're saying let's not – you almost said let's not do the precinct because it's hard. But that's how we become the city councils, the state legislatures. If we took over one state, then we could really do nullification in that state. So when it only takes 20 hours every two years, when it only takes something like five signatures to run for precinct, why not teach people to do this and we become the government? Instead of begging the Boehners and the McConnells and the Obamas to do the, what the right thing, which they're not going to do. Well, I have no, you know, it's like in Florida, we are working on precincts like this. And there's a, okay. a lot of people that I back this to, and it's not that I'm against it. I'm just saying this is going to be a hard way. I think nullification is better. I mean, in Florida also, we're going to, you know, we almost passed medical marijuana last time around. Uh, we're going to have it on a ballot again. And we might even go for total legalization this time. And, you know, I, I, I prefer to go at uh, amendments to nullify bad federal law and what, educate the people uh, through their George rights to nullify bad federal law. Now, hey, if we can take back a precincts, all the more power, too. I, it's not that I'm not totally against it, but I, I, I see that the precincts on the federal level, especially more of a centralization of power rather than decentralization of power. And I'd rather, you know, if we get our precincts right, say, let's focus on the states and, and, and make sure that, that they're running the Constitution in a limited fashion, the way it was meant to be. Okay, but there's no there's no federal or state precincts. They're all county precincts. So we we do, we take over the county, then take over the states, then take over the federal government, and then you can get rid of everything. I mean, you, you know, they, I hear about the 1871 trick that they pulled on us, where there's the corporation of the United States of America. Well. We'll get rid of that. Once we have an honest Congress like you, me, and Robert, and Kelly, and Susan, and the rest of the people on here, Nathan, and everybody, we'll get rid of that stuff in a few months, all those tricks they played on us since 1871. So, again, I'm I'm for all that you're saying. I'm totally in favor of the tactics you're saying uh, as far as the nullification, okay? But let's do everything. Let's do both. And, again, if I was saying I needed people to give 40 hours a week and $100 a week, that would be unrealistic. But when we're talking people about giving 20 hours every two years to run for precinct and then go to the meeting to elect a good chairman, that is a very realistic plan that 99% of Americans could participate in if they wanted to. So let's do it all. Let's nullify. Let's take back the government peacefully through the precinct system. Oh, I agree with you. In fact, I already signed okay. up on your site. I went to it today earlier before you guys came on. So, I mean, Excellent. I'm on Excellent. the every, every direction. Uh, I just like the <laughs> anti-federalist position of states' rights. No, and I agree and with you. Like if we can... the great... no, is there a way I could sign up uh, for a Green Party precinct? But uh, <laughs> who knows? Maybe something to check out. There is. Uh, yeah, there is. Ahead. 
Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, there What's he is, the Green Party. Darn. That's it for the Green okay. Party. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, can, I can change the Green Party. <laughs> you can start. You can start your own Green Party in in, in any county. It's cost like we got to pay the programmers two hundred dollars or so, and we don't make anything just to set up a party in all three thousand counties. I think it might be less than that. If, but at any rate, no. There, you can start a Green Party in any county. That's why Network America is so good. It's not Jim Conda Jr. or Kelly or Nikki Nelson who set it up. It's it's there for anybody to use that's trying to get back to a constitutional, a Bill of Rights type government, and even other people could use it too. Hey folks, so I do see it. Gosh, this this, this show is uh, flying by, and I do see we only have about 16 minutes left of the live portion of the show. However, as I say, the show will go on, and so uh, what we'll be going into in the next about 15 minutes is the extended period, or what we sometimes lovingly call Bard's Logic After Dark. Uh, let your imagination run wild on that one. Uh, but if, but what it really means is that if you don't call in within the next 15 minutes at 349 Seven seven five four. Uh, you would not be able to be a part of the uh, extended period. However, the good thing is, is the extended period will be a part of the podcast. And someone in the background, uh, shut down your noise, please. Uh, but it will be part of the uh, podcast, in which you can share this link. Which, uh, please, folks, uh, if I haven't said it already, uh, definitely share this link with folks so they can listen to the show uh, as well. And also, we would really like uh, for you to invite your friends to come on and join us on the show and be a part of our roundtable discussion. Of course, as we say here at Bard's Logic, this is your show, the People Show, and we call it the Grassroots We the People Show here on Bard's Logic Political Talk. And so, just give us a call at three four seven nine four five. 7428, because if you don't do it in the next 14 minutes, you won't be able to for the remainder of the evening. And so just give us a call at the 347-945-7428 and uh, put the, push the one on your number dial uh, to come in. So here's how we're going to proceed, ladies and gentlemen, is we are going to bring Susan back and to the fray, and then we're going to hand it over to Richard. And then we do have a caller on the line, Christine. And then after that, we have uh, our panelist, uh, Cindy, on the line as well. So it's great to see her. And so we will uh, continue on with the show. Uh, and so let's go ahead and bring it back over to you, Susan. Go ahead. Hi. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go way back here. About um, Edward Snowden, I just want to let you know I'll have to post it on your page. I did write a blog on him, and I consider him, you know, really a hero for doing what he did. Um, uh, now, about uh, Gates, I tell you that the man is, uh, it's just, I, I, I just can't stand him. You know, he's promoting vaccines to get, reduce world population. He's doing all kinds of stuff. But what happened, if you recall, and I remember the Time magazine where they said they were going to take his company apart, they were attacking him on that. I believe a deal was cut. Uh, they they threatened you know destroy his company. They were going after him. All of a sudden, you didn't hear any more about that, and that's when he started uh, shortly thereafter promoting the things he does. I really believe that he did it to save his company, 
And the Remember, folks, real quick, remember, folks, that all the mics are open, so if you've got any background noise going on, uh, go ahead and mute your mic or phone, whichever you're using to be on the show tonight. Or else, unfortunately, I'll have to start uh, closing some mics off to try to get rid of any kind of background noise that's going on. Uh, I don't like to have to do that, but unfortunately, I'll have to if we can't uh, contain it. And I apologize for the interruption, Susan. Go ahead. Oh, that's okay. Um, uh, they will go after anybody and target you, whether it's through assassination or threats or whatever. Uh, we know that Steve Sims, who was a representative from Idaho, um, one of my um, friends, whose brother was a senator here in Idaho, uh, he knew him and he talked to him and they said, um, so his son. And uh, if he didn't do certain things and or step down, they uh, diesel uh, Representative George Hansen from Idaho. They have took out um, John Tower and uh, I can't think of his name, uh, uh, Hunt, uh, whatever his first name was. I can't think of it. He's Carrie's first husband. Those airplane crashes were in, within a day of each other. Very suspicious situations. So we we know that whether it's threats against your company, your family, they will, and this is the new world order. Uh, when they were talking, uh, the one guy was talking about whoever uh, being at the top there, the guys. It's the new world order, plain and simple, which includes the Bilderbergers, the um, Illuminati, the Morgans, the Rothschilds, the CFR, the Trilateral Commission. It's all those groups are part of it. But um, Suzanne, I agree with all that. But let's not let's not leave on a thing of gloom and doom on that. That yeah, they can pick somebody out and assassinate them or whatever. But what we need to happen is hundreds of thousands and millions of Americans to all do something. They can't deal with all of us at once. So we need Henry Macau, the inventor of scruples, who has his own website, said, everybody do something. And I say get in the precinct, let them know we're coming for our jobs. Somebody has pretty tremendous background noise on their phone, though. Right. Let's go ahead and uh... – As far as what you do, I know I'm not in the precinct, but I do sign a lot of petitions. I make calls three or four days a week to the different senators and – I write blogs. I have a political group, so I do my part. In, maybe it's a different. No, no, I'm not. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't attacking you. I, I can tell you're. And by the way, the show is obviously well listened to. You got intelligent callers from all over the country, California to Florida. At least I've been in a number of the other states. But Suzanne, consider becoming part of the precinct movement. Go to networkamerica.org. Consider and, and spread the word to others because that is where they can't control us. If we get enough people. We're moving in those. I've often said if we get enough people running in the precinct of the overthrow the Democrat and Republican Party leaders peacefully and constitutionally, there will be emergency meetings in Washington D.C., New York City, and London, and they're going to—and that's the Rothschilds—they're going to be saying in, in London, they're going to be saying, "What do we do to stop the American people now that they finally figured out how the system works?" So the site is what again? NetworkAmerica.org. There's a six-minute video, and then you can hit the networking part and join up, and I and you can talk to people in there. So it's it's another way to spread the word. 
Okay, so I could post this link uh, or this. Of course. In my, of course in my group. you could. Yeah, we, yeah, we okay. want you to do that. We want you to spread information to everybody, and, you know, that's what it's for. Okay. All right, good. And I, and I agree, but I do agree with what you said. I just wanted to say let's let's think of that positive solution to win the win back our country and win. Okay, I'm posting it right now. So. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. <clears throat> I think we have um, with the background noise. Unfortunately, it looks like there was one of our. Uh, callers, I was just playing with um, some mics, and uh, looks like a person uh, dropped the call. Hopefully, uh, Ed will be able to have you uh, back on the show. I'm, I hate to say that you had to leave, but I think that's where the the, the background noise was uh, coming from. So let's hopefully we can hear uh, back again from Ed. And so let's go ahead and bring it back over to you, uh, you Richard. Uh, bring it back in the show. And then we're going to bring in Christine and Cindy. And then for those out there listening, we only got about seven minutes uh, of the live portion of the show. And also, Kelly, you got a question for uh, Cindy and I, that we would like to have answered later. Well, she's on the, she's actually online. She could probably ask it herself now I think about it. And so we could do that. But uh, let's go ahead and nice the saying. Well, we only have about seven uh, minutes left, so those out there who want to be a part or at least listen to of the extended period, uh, just give us a call at 347-945-7428, and we'll get you into the show, uh, and, or if you just want to listen to it. And, of course, as uh, you put uh, out there, Jim, and I appreciate the, the compliment about, yes, we definitely have some, some great folks uh, who call in, and Bard's Logic, of course, would not be – uh, what the show is without uh, our panelists and our audience and uh, all the uh, contributions they make to the show, and I really appreciate it. And um, I really uh, think that that's, you know, part of the success uh, and, and very large parts uh, so, uh, because of the people who do call in to the show and our panelists as well. And so, of course, uh, it's always great to have them on. And so for folks, but for your friends or yourself, you come to the show, share the link. We definitely want to hear from you. Uh, because as we say here, this is your show, uh, the people's show, and that's what uh, we're about here, the grassroots uh, and the citizens of this country. So we want to hear from you because it is important uh, for you to be heard. Uh, so let's uh, share the link uh, on the show, whether uh, you're doing it either through email or through Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, you even see a lot of folks uh, who actually access the show uh, through their cell phones now. And so that's interesting. So definitely share it out so they can uh, listen to the show and join us as well. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to the people we do have the line on the line. And let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Richard. And then Christine and Cindy, we'll be getting you on as well. Richard, as we say here, you've got the mic. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. Well, one of the, one of the items that uh, that I found intriguing on Jim's list, and I don't remember the number of it, but in any event, it had to do with, I believe, um, you know, uh, avoiding some of these, um, some of these uh, getting involved in these sectarian conflicts in the Middle East that uh, that are so popular with both the Democrats and Republicans now. And uh, and I wrote, I, I think at last count, I've written about 13 reports on the topic of to help people understand you know, exactly what's going on there with regard to the Islamic State as compared to what the official mass media narrative uh, in mimicking the government narrative on it, which the government narrative and the mass media narrative is that, uh, 
oh, you know, well, uh, the Islamic faith just basically just sprung up out of nowhere in uh, 2012, and it just it arrived spontaneously. And now, you know, we're trying to figure out, you know, just exactly how to go about dealing with it. When in fact, when in fact it had been it had been um, uh, a Frank Frankenstein monster that was created essentially by the United States CIA. The State Department, the Pentagon, Britain's MI6, the Saudis, the the Qataris, the um, United Arab Emirates, the Kuwaitis, Turkey, all of these allies in the region, so-called allies in the region, um, as a kind of a devil doll to destabilize, um, especially destabilize the uh, the the uh, government of Syria. Um, and that's what's going on now. And so you hear you hear them talking about, well, now Putin has arrived on the scene. Now there's all of this uh, this casus mm-hmm. belli, uh, you know, going on, the saber rattling going on, coming from Rubio and Fiorina, where both Rubio particularly is a is a, a an apprentice and kind of a is being mentored by McCain and and Graham. And there's this seems to be appealing to a certain a certain segment of potential GOP voters, the kind of like the leftover Bush bots. And um and really I, I'm trying to I'm trying to tell people that listen, we trained, we provide logistics to and we armed the Islamic State. And this is this is this is something that we, we brought into being from the carcass of Al Qaeda and the Al Nusra Front and the Muhammad the Muslim Brotherhood and various of these other um you know jihadist insurgencies that were operating in, in Syria and Iraq. And and this is something that we have no the government has no interest, no genuine interest in extinguishing, in annihilating. Or if they if they had they would have gone ahead and already done it uh in the early stages of it and it could have been done very very easily. So so then Putin comes along and then now now there's all this caterwauling about oh you know he's interfering and you know that's our sphere of influence nonsense he doesn't want jihadists heading north any more than we ostensibly want them heading east <laughs> Yeah I I agree with all that I would only add and this is where uh, I get a little bit controversial I would only add that Israel's Mossad is totally intertwined with our CIA and they are uh, 100% behind the turmoil that's going on over there, along with um, with the project for the new American century in our in our area. But yeah, the idea is endless war, collapse all those governments, total deep the de- um, they want to eventually uh, collapse Iran as well. And there's problems with each of these governments. Yeah, but this idea that ISIS, I remember I was you know I watched cable every day for a few minutes. And it came up on cable one day, hey, there's this thing called ISIS, or they were also calling it ISIL. And by the way, it's threatening the world. This is like the first day we heard of they're threatening the world. <laughs> you know, it's all yeah, ridiculous. You know, and then, uh, yeah, it is, and it is, it is ridiculous. And so, but, but people ask me, Jim, people ask me, well, okay, so you, so you say that this is basically something that, um, that the United States and its, and its allies in, in the Gulf region and the Middle East, have have cooked up and have have mobilized. What what is the end game? And basically, I tell them. I said I said part of the end game is this. First of all, destabilization, uh, and second of all, but more importantly, probably, 
is that uh, what is going to happen, they'll allow this to fester and metastasize to the extent that the things become so, it smells so bad as if they don't already uh, over there and so out of control that a case will be made to the American people uh, through the next president or, you know, or in Congress as well that, oh, we've got to go over, we've got to do something about this. Now we're going to go over there and now we're going to drop another $2 trillion. The DEFCONs, the defense contractors, are going to cash in from all this. The bankers are going to cash in. And the government is grow, going to grow again exponentially larger, which is, you know, which is the, the aim of, uh, you know, which is the aim of both parties, uh, you know, going back 80 years. They use these wars as leverage to, to, to grow the size of government. And, and, to gain, and to gain control of mankind. And this is, you know, people that say to me, well, it's all, it's, I hear these uh, clear channel talk shows say, it's not about the black, it's not about the white, it's about the green. They're kind of like uh, de facto right-wing Marxists, like we're all economic beings. There's also the spiritual behind it all, the spiritual push for uh, a, a worldwide dictatorship in which human uh, good instincts are, are you're prevented from making good choices. George Orwell, who wrote uh, 1984 in the Animal Farm, I used to think he was a bad guy. I now realize he's a good guy who was somewhat in the works and was trying to warn us. And he said communism, I think this is from him, communism is a boot stamping on the human face forever. And that's what this uh, crowd at the top, the ruling elite, the international bankers, the Goldman Sachs, the... Um, some of the groups that you were mentioning before, somebody mentioned the Bilderberg and Saber. This is a will to power for spiritual evil over mankind, and it's beyond everything that's there. And, and so that's the end game as well. And we could do a whole show on the intrigues going on in the Middle East and the bad results it's having for for people mm-hmm. there. And they eventually, uh, they have, and, and here, I mean, here we're. You know, uh, we're putting a lot of our energy and money and everything into that. But it is, this is a whole show that, that could be done on just this subject. But it's a controversial issue. Well, I issue. bet we could. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we, we, we may, and, we, and we may cover that uh, one day. And so uh, I do see that we are now in the extended period of the show, or what we lovingly call Bard's Logic After Dark. Uh, one little bit of warning, though, is that if uh, either by – chance or by purpose if you were to drop the call you will no longer be able to call back into the show uh we regret it but unfortunately that's just how uh the system is uh so and i hear some other kind of background stuff so i don't know folks but we're just having that a lot tonight but hey that happens uh but i do want to um bring things over because we do have uh, plenty of time we still have another hour or maybe a little less because I get to do some closing out, you know, things and things of that nature. Uh, but we do have a couple people on the line, and I, I'm still hearing some back. I guess someone's got a siren. I had a on. police. Is everybody? I'm outside. I'm outside, and I had a police car whiz past with a siren. Sorry. Oh, okay. I was wondering, well, they ain't coming after you, are they, Jim? Not. No, they were going the other direction. Thankfully. Oh, that's good. Hey, so let's go ahead and <laughs> hey, hey, Robert. <laughs> Robert, yes, yeah, Kelly here. Yeah, I think yeah. that would lead real well what you got with the discussion just was about foreign policy and for foreign interactions to uh, number seven, and then we're done with the seven principles that Jim strongly believes in. But uh, here's number seven: support a non-interventionist 
foreign policy, a ruling elite behind international banking institutions such as the Fed, IMF, and Goldman Sachs, has hijacked an American foreign policy and is building an evil empire at odds with our national interests. Pursue honest friendships with all nations, entangling alliances with none. The policy enunciated by Thomas Jefferson and encouraged by George Washington in his farewell address. Seek fair trade with non-slave nations. And that brings us to number seven. Again, you can see it on Guardians for Liberty. This is what Jim believes. So, anyway, over to Jim again. Well, and I'll throw it to Robert because I think we got callers on the line. Actually, yes, we do. And we have uh, the first caller we're going to bring in is actually our guest for next week in which she'll be talking about uh, the work that uh, she's been working on. Okay, that was redundant. Uh, but the thing, <laughs> and maybe she'll give us a little synopsis uh, tonight on that, but I think she's gone in to uh, go over some of the information that we've talked about tonight. So let's go ahead and uh, bring in our friend Christine Timmons. Thank you very much, Christine, for coming to the show. How are you? Well, I always enjoy coming to the show, and and uh, unfortunately, I have to tell you, there was only one person tonight who has come anywhere near the answer, and that was Ed, because everything else that I've heard <clears throat> is all opinion. The same thing I hear from Congress on a daily basis when I speak to them. I spent thousands of dollars this year going there just to see what they were about, and I gave the Republicans the opportunity to stop this stuff, and they refused to do so. So now I have another tactic, which you will find out next week. Now, when Ed, when Ed said that about nullifying, you need to understand, until American citizens learn, the 64 words in Article 6, Section 2, none of this is going to stop. That clause tells you everything anybody elected, you write a law down to the last judge, the treaty, it's got to be in the Constitution. If it's not in there, it has to be nullified. That's the only thing I heard tonight. Every one of the immigration laws, Susan was talking about Labrador. I know him personally. That whole office, they told me they not have any even thought of nullifying the immigration laws because none of them are in the Constitution. It is all opinion of President Lyndon Baines Johnson when he signed the 1965 Immigration Act, and it has spawned all of this evil wicked behavior that's going on in Congress. Now, I don't want to say too much tonight, but next week when I come on, I need everybody to have out a Constitution handbook or have it up there on their computer because we are going to go over nine clauses. When you read those clauses, if you don't understand, then don't bother to vote. America might as well stay home because <laughs> if you don't understand this stuff, we learned it in elementary school inside six months. I went back to school. I went to town Thomas M. Cooley Law Library for nine years to study constitutional law. There is no constitutional law. No, you'll find out more about it next week. And there is no Congress. You don't even have a Congress. No, they disbanded and exiled the Constitutional Congress 50 years ago. What it is, it's a, a, a congressional regime to regime write their own laws. And it is a criminal enterprise, but you've got to know how to do it, how to say it, which clause to bring it down, and that's all it really takes. But until the people learn that, 
what they're saying about Marco Rubio. Under the Constitution, he can't vote. No, he can't even run for office. Millions of Democrat votes, they can't vote in 2016. I told the Republicans, they don't want to listen. They got all the clauses that tell them who can vote and who can't in the path of citizenship that's in the Constitution. They're selling citizenships. So next week we are going to be discussing, I hope Ed be on this line, because we need someone like him who's willing not to use your opinion, but read these. It's about 500 words. That's all it is. If this was some rocket science, I could understand you not understanding it. But this is really elementary school stuff that we learned when we was kids. And so that's what I got to say tonight. I, I I know everybody means well, but that's what they want to hear you say. All this rhetoric and opinion stuff. You think they want to hear you saying Article 1, Section 6 don't allow you to do this? You think they want to hear you saying Article 1, Section 6, I can arrest you? See, people don't even know. There's two arrest clauses in the Constitution. But if you never, if you don't read it and you never try to apply it, this stuff is going to happen. So everybody on this line who said the things they said, please do not go vote. Just stay home because you don't know what you're doing. So listen to to Ed, and we'll be on next week, me and Ed, and we're going to be giving y'all the real skinny about how easy it is to take back this government. It's easier than you think it is. They make you think it's complicated by writing billions of words of lies to exile the real 500 words into a cage. You can't, they got you talking about what's going on over here overseas while they're doing something bad to you right here. Like right now, Raul Labrador, he is pushing to continue to giving millions of non-citizens billions of dollars a day. They're not constitutionally eligible. I told Scott and everybody, Jeff Sessions, see, y'all don't even know what happened with Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions told him that Amendment 14 was the immigration clause and anchor baby mama. You heard him stand up and tell you he found out it wasn't. Oh, you just wait till you find out what this mess is that's really going on. It's little simple stuff. You really get upset when you find it. Is that all it is to it? It's like the Wizard of Oz. You remember when you got to the end, it was just a little old man? When you get to the end of this, it's just a 500 little silly words from the Constitution that we learned in elementary school. And that's what i got to say tonight. Clear your mind next week. Don't bring any rhetoric. Bring the Constitution book with you. Pull it up on your Constitution. And if you're not upset when you get through reading this, I'm going to try to have Dr. J on the line with me. He's a doctor. When I first told him this stuff, oh, Christine, you're just silly. Ain't no such thing. He had no faith. The third week of a one-hour class, he came to me. He said, wait a minute, they can't do that. I said, what do you mean they can't do that? That ain't in Article 1. That ain't in Article 6, Clause 2. I said, oh, really? They can't do it. They can't do that. They can't give them money. Why not? It's not in Article One of Section Eight, Clause One. They can only give money to Americans. Now he's competing with me, telling me that he's a superstar on the Constitution. So when you really learn these few little simple clauses that they don't want you to learn, they want you to always laugh at this. As long as they keep you laughing at the real truth, it's, even the Bible says it, one day a lie will become a beautiful truth and the truth will become an ugly lie. That's what they made out of the Constitution, and I want everybody to be 
in with me next week, especially Ed, because he know about nullification. That's what you got to know. You can't okay, now, Chris, Christine, I'll, I'll, I'll say one I, I'm really one looking forward thing. to next week. Yeah. I'm really one looking forward to thing. next week, yeah. You can't repeal it. You know why? I'm, let me explain why you can't repeal it before I hang up. You can only repeal laws that you're constitutionally eligible to do. If you couldn't do it in the first place, you nullify it. Elliot V. Pearsall, U.S. V. Will, Corn V. Regenda, N. Ari Sawyer. That's only four of them. So I got to go. Next week, we're going to have a blast. Right, Christine, Me. Christine, Christine, do you got a few more seconds or do you have to go? Oh, yeah, well, well, you know, Ed, I, I want I want Ed to be here next week because he, he really okay, gave well, me I, hope. I, I, okay. I want to ask him Real quick, he's not, real quick, um, just let you know, he's not on the line now, but oh, I do God. have his phone number here, at least the number that he used uh, to call in, and then I will uh, I'll call him and see about uh, trying to get him uh, back on the show. I'll, I'll use the number he used uh, that he, he had to call hope. in on. I mean, I, and I've talked to him. And I, I, yeah, him before. I may have his I may have his contact information, but let's go ahead and uh bring it back to you, uh Jim. Go ahead, Jim. I wanna ask Christine though. Christine, you said everything we said was a was rhetoric and opinion, but it's not well, opinion. To you don't have a clause to back it up in the constitution. No, no, that, but that, but we, we got But that's what's we're, happening in this country right now. The okay, Congress but, people but, are telling you all one these person things. at a time. Go ahead, Jim. Hold, hold on, Christine. I understand what you're saying, but I want to ask you a question. It's yeah. not an opinion. Ahead, Let me state a few things, then I'm going to ask you a question. It's not opinion that the Democrats and Republicans run every county in the United States. That is a fact. So, in other words, if we can more easily nullify, and I agree there are thousands of things that need to be nullified, but we can more easily do it if we are controlling the state legislatures and the city councils and the Congress. We could do it in a few months. So, but you need more to tell me what clause in the Hold Constitution on, don't let allow. Jim finish. Hold well, on, let's, 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 let's let Jim finish. The, the con- yeah, the Constitution is the principles the country has found. It didn't talk about the mechanisms there for what would be. It does. Yeah, that's what we don't Hold on, Christine, let him finish. Come on. It does not outlaw political parties. It doesn't say they're good or bad or indifferent. But, in fact, the other side, the, 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 the ruling elite, has taken control of our country through those political parties. So we have to try to use those political parties and take them back. Or, or what are you saying? You think you're saying citizens citizens can meet and nullify things all day, and the media and the Congress aren't going to pay attention to it. Excuse you put their butt in jail. It's Article Six, Clause Clause uh, Two tells you that uh-huh. it says each it says each Congress person is privileged from arrest in other places except for treason. Felony and breach of the peace. They used to and call who, these people out. Excuse me. They used to call these people out on the state level. But see, after they see, they took that out to schools in the in the seventy. So you don't know that. Article four, section four, clause one tells you the United States Constitution does not recognize parties. It recognizes a Republican form of government, which is Article Six, Clause Two. Everything they open their mouth and say has got to be in that Constitution. I don't care if you Libertarian, Constitution, Green Party. If you write a law that's not in that Constitution, it's no good. That's what I'm trying to tell you. They trying to yeah, take your Okay, first. let's go ahead and, and then what here? Since, since you got a if little a party, band, uh, thing, uh, thing going back right and forth, hold on, hold on, Christine, hold on. No good. 
Chris, okay, hold on, Christine. Uh, yeah, if we're going to do uh, some some back and forth talking here, we'll, we'll give each of you. Cause I don't want to, you know, keep uh, Susan and Richard out of the conversation either, nor Kelly. And so, I mean, if we go do a little back and forth, I'm only going to each give person each like a minute or two to do that. If we're going to have a mm-hmm. little back and forth for a while. We want to try to keep things equal. And one thing we don't do uh, is let's not talk over people. It drives me nuts. Oh, okay. okay if someone's yeah, talking, let's too. not talk over them. Because, yeah, because when I'm hearing on, like, Fox News, or I used to call them faux news, um, <laughs> I used to drive me nuts. I don't like to have that here. But so let's go ahead. Yeah, so let's go ahead and bring it over uh, to uh, you, Jim. Go ahead. Kelly here. Kelly here. No, yeah, I just, yeah. I just want to, yeah. Oh, okay. did you say Kelly? Yeah, well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm just Jim, well, throw it out, Kelly, and then Jim, and then we'll bring it back to you. Uh, then we'll bring it back to you, uh, Christine. But then I do want to get uh, Susan and Richard back in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And Cindy had to go, uh, unfortunately. I was just getting ready to get her in a little bit ago, uh, but unfortunately she had to go. But she also said, uh, Christine, that she is looking forward uh, to next week. Uh, as are obviously all of us. And so let's go ahead and yeah, bring it back to you, Kelly, and then uh, Jim and Christine, and then we're going to get uh, Susan and Richard back in our uh, discussion. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, so so I guess Kelly, Jim, and Christine. But, yeah, Christine, you and I have talked at length. Jim is definitely mm. on your side, and you guys haven't had the opportunity to really understand each other. Jim is mm. trying to get into Congress, and I think he's got a very unique chance He's the kind of man who's going to listen to you when he's in Congress. And I would be glad to hook you guys up um, at a later date. And he's there with the Constitution. He's just trying to take the, you know, Article One representation part of the Constitution, get elected. He's got mm-hmm. a shot, and he will, he will listen to you. So I just wanted to, you know, set the stage a little bit for mm-hmm. a little uh, uh, a little more polite discussion. But, yeah, yeah, I, 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 you got an ally here is what I'm saying. Yeah, I didn't feel the conversation was impolite. I mean, you got to have a conversation. you got to say passionately what you believe in. So I'm never offended by people making their point very strongly. I just want to say two things, and I'll keep it real brief. One is that the, 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 the Constitution though, does not outlaw parties. I, I don't necessarily <laughs> like parties. It doesn't outlaw them. And, and, oh, and therefore, it's so from the very earliest, Thomas Jefferson was was in the Democrats. So it, whether you like that or not, if you want to make a law or a constitutional amendment that there's no parties, you've got to take over. You've got to be in the positions of power. Secondly, when you say arrest the congressman, who's going to do it? If citizens go and try to arrest the congressman, they're, they're, now they're going to be facing the sheriff and the military, and maybe it's going to come to that. But before we go to the before we go to 1776-2, where there's an all-out Civil War or, or Revolutionary War Two, which will be millions of deaths by. Uh, before we do that, why not do the peaceful constitutional way that's set up? Do the precincts and try to take the government back that way, and then you would have people in Congress and in City Council and in State Legislature that were sympathetic to implementing the Constitution instead of basically hostile to it that we have now. So I don't disagree with Christine's principles, but I think the mechanism is just left up in the air. There's no mechanism with the anti-federalists to actually take back the government unless it's a, a, a shooting war. Well, 
So well, I understand what you're saying, but you have to understand where I'm coming from. I've done nine years at Thomas M. Cooley. I've been in U.S. District Court about 20 times. I almost never lose. I'm the one that wrote the court case that blocked Obama. And I'm telling you, this thing is simpler than you guys think it is. You just don't do what's wrong. If it's Article 6, Clause 2, say everything you say and do, that goes for every law in this country, every one of them. If you don't do it, you're in violation of Amendment 14, Section 3, the Sedition Clause, that say all elected officials who swear an oath to this Constitution and don't do it is rebellious, a treason, and giving aid and comfort to the enemy, which in combination is sedition, and under the constitutional military law, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15, they can be arrested by other Congress people under Article 6, Clause 1 when they get back to the district. I remember time, see, I'm 73 years old, and so I go way back before you guys, back in the day when Everybody knew the Constitution. You wouldn't know. And when Senator McCarthy was alive, they wouldn't do none of this stuff. Notice he died shortly after he arrested the Supreme Court in 57. See, all of these things are more simple than you think it is. But if you don't know those 64 words and you get them in your head that no one, no elected official can do this, and there are ways to go at it back in the 1700s, if you did the stuff they're doing now, it would be a blindfold squad. You'd have a military trial, and the next morning you'd be standing up there, you and your colleagues with blindfolds on. A firing squad. And let's go ahead. You can go. And, and let's go. You can go. And, and Christine, yeah, let's go. Let's go ahead and bring. Uh, uh, you know, cause unfortunately, we only got about uh, less than even yeah. forty minutes left. Probably closer well, to thirty-five before I got to start week. shutting things down. And yeah. we are definitely yeah, looking forward to next week. Let, let, <laughs> everybody has <laughs> their constitution handbooks out. And stop get, trying to be so complicated. They they doing that to y'all on purpose. And, they making you think that this and, is complicated. It's not. And let's go ahead and bring Susan in, uh, Christine, because I want to try to give, you know, uh, people enough time uh, with the mic. So let's go ahead and bring in uh, Susan, and then we'll bring, bring it back uh, to you, Richard. If uh, either one of you would like to make any comments uh, to our uh, discussion or bring in something new, that's what this roundtable uh, discussion part of the show is all about. So, Susan, as we say, you've got the mic. The mic is yours. Oh, okay. Well, the act of nullifying is the action of a state impeding or attempting to prevent the operation and enforcement within oh. the territory of a law of the United States. Rich Otter was supposed to nullify a few things here, and he backed down because apparently he was just a coward or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe in nullification. I believe in states' rights when they're mm-hmm. declaration of independence constitution, if that, if that is the reason they're doing it. Mm-hmm. That is, I agree with it, using it. And there's well, a lot you, of things, you, yes, that we should be nullifying. Well, well, see that you got to, Susan. Every law in the United States got to be nullified. Congress already know it, especially immigration. There's a path. Oh, oh, oh. To, listen, Susan. There is a path to citizenship in the Constitution. Congress knows it. I gave it to about. A hundred of them, they know it already, but they said he ain't going to do it, especially Raul Labrador. You think he's your friend? He's not your friend. He's making sure that billions 
of dollars a day are sent to millions of non-citizens who are constitutionally ineligible. See, they don't want y'all to know all this little stuff. So, you know, in life, okay, I found it's the little things that is the most important. Twenty years ago, I used four okay. Hold words on, hold on, Christine. I want. I we really didn't, Christine. We really didn't give ample time. I think for Susan. So let's oh, go okay. ahead and, and, and yeah, let's yeah, let's go ahead and bring it back. I, I've got to really yeah, uh, do that, but, you know, because I want to be able to get you know people to, you know some equal time. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to you, uh, Susan. I mean, as I said, if we have to, we'll give you know one person a couple minutes and the other. But you know, since we are winding down, unfortunately, on time. And, and re- remember those days, Kelly, and, and I think tonight's another example of one of those nights. Whereas if we were to have four hours. Uh, for the show this evening, I, I bet we could fill it up, uh, but unfortunately we don't. We only have about uh, 20 minutes left uh, before I got to close things off. Uh, so go ahead, Susan, and then Richard, we are going to get you back in as well, Susan. Okay, uh, Raul Labrador, let's go there. Um, <laughs> you know, the first time he ran, I did not vote for him because Numbers USA and I go by them and Alapac and a lot of them on <laughs> immigration. Um, they had rated him very, very low. And mm-hmm. I voted for Walt Minnick, who was a Democrat, because he was in a B-plus on immigration. He, you know, I didn't agree with him on other things, but he was a blue dog Democrat, so I voted for him. Well, then Labrador picked it up. You know, we, we started going after him and talking to him about stuff. And he's been rated, you know, in a B, B, B minus, B-plus. So he's a lot better than many, many others. FAIR and Numbers USA and ALPAC are very good at covering the candidates on um, their grades and their ratings on this. Are you aware that there's a, a clause in the United States Constitution that sets uh, uh, who's supposed to do immigration? Are you aware of that? They told you it's not in there. You you gonna find it next week when you call in next week. We gonna I'm gonna show you where the immigration clause is there. There's a path to citizenship in the Constitution. Raul them know it. I walk right into their office. I walk right into Trey Guy. I've been in Trey Guy's office three times. They know this, but they said they ain't gonna do it. Look at what Jeff Sessions told that lie to Trump and told him that Amendment 14 uh, let him bring immigrants and, and anchor baby mess. And you heard him. You heard what he told him. You heard what he told me. It just certainly does not. That my constitutional experts have told us the 14th Amendment, that's the one to tell you who's a real citizen and who's not. So you got to learn. I know about the 14th. Excuse me. You're going to learn Hold this on, next ladies. week, and you're going to be mad. Okay, let's go ahead and bring Richard back into the conversation. Uh, Richard, uh, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I, I don't have a whole lot particularly to add to the, you know, I guess, I guess the, the nuts and bolts and the mechanics of, uh, I mean, I'm familiar with, I'm familiar with the nullification. I'm familiar, of course, uh, what Jim is talking about with the, with the precincts and so forth and so on. But, um, but as far as, uh, as far as uh, Jeff Sessions, and I haven't, I haven't read that, uh, that, that article or that uh, report, 
Uh, but uh, but I'm just guessing, knowing Jeff Sessions, he's, he's probably basically saying that he's not saying that um, that the the 14th Amendment supports the notion of anchor babies. He's simply acknowledging the reality that the uh, that the federal courts have in in the uh, the rulings that have come out of the federal courts have uh, handed down decisions that say that they interpret it as uh, as permitting uh, as permitting uh, uh, you know birthright citizenship on the basis of people coming here and having birth tourism that that's all i mean i know he's not defending it he's simply explaining that that is the status quo as things exist and you know and you know you can and, you know, you and I both uh, don't agree with it and we don't like it, but it's not like you can snap your fingers and uh, push these, uh, you know, uh, and, and push this thing back out of the courts. I think Congress is going to have to take take that up and they're going to have to they're going to have to clarify. They're going to have to put some clarification uh, in our immigration laws because, you know, the 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 Constitution for some people, unfortunately, is not in itself, you know, uh, sufficient. It's un- that's unfortunate. I agree with you, but that's unfortunate. That's that's the reality we're dealing with right now. Well, let's go ahead and get uh, your take on this, uh, Jim, and let's go ahead and uh, you know bring in some things uh, full circle. We got about uh, you know, I said about twenty minutes or so uh, before I have to shut things down. So I definitely want to give you the opportunity uh, to do that. So let's go ahead and bring uh, your comments. Do you want me to comment, Robert? <laughs> Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, real briefly, this is the same type of a dispute I've had with allies who are emphasizing that we got a the corporate United States was brought in in 1871, which I don't doubt. But as Robert Schultz of We the People, some of you may recognize that name, he's filed a lot of citizen, he's a citizen lawyer, a, a pro se, and he's filed a lot of suits. And basically, uh, he just got a filed many, many good public interest who brought him through to the end, even though he's lost most of them. And he, we were on a call one night about this government of 1871, the corporate USA, and the same goes for them disbanding Congress 50 years ago. And he said, when was this done and who did it? And they explained that it was done over time through courts. And his point was, unconstitutional laws are not laws. So they can say that we are, you know, they can trick the population their judges to say we don't have a United States government anymore. Now it's superseded by our United States corporation. And in fact, they've imposed that on us in many ways. And they can say we disbanded the Congress 50 years ago, but these are all unconstitutional laws. So they have only the color of law, according to Black's Dictionary. They can't have actual law status. So all I'm saying is that I'm not against doing the null, I'm for doing the nullification. I'm just saying that we are now in a situation, the other side doesn't care about anything but taking control. So they have got us in a situation where we can either get a few hundred thousand people into the precinct system, go to the meetings, throw them out, get the sheriffs on our side. Most sheriffs are still patriotic Americans. 300 of total Obama don't come in and try to take the gun. We're going to not, you know, we're going to fight you if you come in and try to take anybody guns. That's one out of 10 sheriffs, which shows there's a lot more that would, or, you know, that's indicative that we got a pretty much still a patriotic sheriffs. So you get the sheriffs on your side, you get honest counts at these party meetings, you change the party leaders, change the uh, change 
bring forth an honest vote, change the Congress, and then change the laws. And at that point, you could make a constitutional amendment that there's no parties anymore and, and so forth. But all I'm saying is the other option is either to give up and do nothing and try to just write your congressman or that, that type of thing. And we're, we're basically begging John Boehner and Mitch McConnell, the agents of the, of the ruling elite, to do something for the Constitution, which is probably not going to happen. Or we're going to try to arrest somebody like a congressman. We're going to pick up guns. And at this point, you, the, 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 the handful of citizens that pick up guns and have no authority – in the eyes of the public, are going to be met with overwhelming force, force from the sheriffs, overwhelming force from the military, and 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 they're going to, and that's what's going to happen. And the status show is going to continue. So why not? So why not just try to take over the whole government through a what could be easily be? We could be on the playing field trying to take over the government by two years from now if enough people got into the system and spent. You know, 15 minutes learning it and 20 to 40 hours every two years implementing it. That's all I'm saying is we're trying to do a system that would not have bloodshed, at least we hope not, and it would be the peaceful and constitutional way that's already set up to take back the country. And then you would have sympathetic congressmen to do nullification, and I believe thousands of laws should be undone. So back to you, Robert. Well, I appreciate that, Jim. And, of course, uh, as we do – have our roundtable discussion, then uh, we are going to be bringing it around to what you, Kelly, and if, uh, if you would like to make any uh, comments on that, and then we can have uh, Susan on if there's anything you want to uh, – not Susan, we bring it back to Christine, I meant. And so uh, if, unless there's anything else you'd like to bring up or make comments, anything uh, that was said recently, go ahead, uh, Kelly. Well, of course, there's many forms of nullification, which is very important. Again, I really like what Jim's doing. Is he's he's getting into the battlefield and he's bringing a lot of people with that we can, from within, change the party, precinct strategy, etc. And we have a very unique shot here. To my focus tonight is to help Jim, to help him get elected, to get his name out, to help. Uh, the listener understands where he's coming from. You know, again, seven principles, guardians for liberty. And uh, he's doing so many other things. And I would encourage people to uh, go ahead and take the podcast and email it to people you know in Ohio. I was able to get a hold of some people that were hopefully uh, Ohio listeners now. But if we really hit our Facebook friends, emails, whoever we know in Ohio, or somebody who knows somebody in Ohio, I think this, this could really help Jim getting you know, Fred Grandy, okay, this is a story. It's one of the reasons why this is uh, a lot higher possibility than when he, when he got more votes than the Democrat in 2010. Um, Fred Grandy, he was, uh, remember, gopher on the love boat? Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he was a United States congressman. I can't remember whether it was uh, North Northwest Iowa or South Dakota, but he he was running. Now I remember you. Now I remember I put a face to a name. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, All right. Anyway, uh, so he ran. He got the the, uh, Republican primary nomination, and um, the incumbent was so strong, there's no way he's going to get in. Well, what happened was um, that politician, the Democrat, got uh, a tick bite and got Lyme disease, and he had to just drop out of the race, and Fred Grandy won. So, you know, that politician suffered Slyme's disease. I mean, sorry, Lyme disease. Um, I just said one, one joke tonight. But, you know, something really good, when you don't have, um, Ohio is caught off guard in Boehner's district. 
It's caught off guard, and Jim already has name recognition out there. I believe he's electable. So I would encourage people to take the podcast and send it to people, and hopefully uh, a bigger network will be built and he could actually win. So, you know, I, I'm just I'm just trying to help Jim tonight. That's kind of been my focus. I don't want to get too much into politics other than just simply, here's Jim, here's the man, here's what he believes in Congress. Efforts, your efforts in this part. I'm going to go ahead and get you in here, Jim, uh, to respond to that. We 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 still have you there, Jim. Yeah. Did you were you talking to me, Robert? Yeah. So just say if you had any uh, response with what, uh, you know. Oh no, I, yeah, I the, wanted. To, yeah, I wanted to say I appreciate Kelly's efforts, and we are going to do that. And of course, remember, there's another. If we build a grassroots, which I would hope to do in the next few months, even if we don't make it, then there's another election in November. So I'm trying to build a permanent grassroots, not only mainly for the precinct project in the country, I mean, and for my campaign as well. But it's more important we take back the whole country than that one person get elected. But um, but I appreciate all of Kelly's efforts. And we didn't get to get into it tonight, Robert, but let me just tell everybody, if they want to read about it, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that because we knew exactly where to look and watch the vote 2012, and by the grace of God, a local Iowa handyman 28 year old guy named edward true came forth if you go to watch the vote 2012.com that's watch the vote 2012.com you i i put on there uh with chris uh one of our fellow other people chris uh chris's uh collaboration an open letter to donald trump and Rand paul and all the other candidates on how to get a fair count in the iowa caucus this time because because of the fact that they bumped Romney's vote up and Edward True caught him, they had to change the winner from Romney to Santorum two weeks after the Iowa caucus in 2012. So like then, like now, we we don't care who wins as watch the vote. We just want to see an honest count and not see the establishment candidates be cheated for and the insurgent candidates, you might say, or the populist candidates be cheated against. So rather than go into that all now, Robert, I just tell people if they go to 2012, uh, excuse me, watch the vote, 2012.com, they can see the really brief open letter to the candidates. And you can, and then you can uh, look to see two CNN videos and read the story of how uh, Edward True, who put out a cry for help on CNN's website, and then some of our people saw it. We made up an affidavit, and you can see how Edward True and Watch the Vote, which Kelly was a part of, uh, and, and 50 other key people and thousands of people on the Facebook page, how we forced the GOP of Iowa to change their winner two weeks after the caucus, which, as far as we know, has never happened either in a primary or a presidential caucus before. And this is all part of watching the vote and getting an honest, open, transparent count at every election, because if that's how we're going to elect our, our leaders, we want to make sure we get the, the person in office that the people actually voted for to win. Well, let's go ahead and uh, no, let's go ahead and bring uh, Christine back on. Uh, we only have uh, some brief yeah. time uh, for folks. And, uh, now, insofar yeah. as Jeff's session goes, if you guys knew that there are 19 words in the Constitution that strictly defines who brings immigrants, you need to know that Amendment 14 is very simple. 
all it says is all persons born or natural, but just this person born or naturalized and subject to the jurisdiction thereof of citizens. So if you just came here from Venezuela, you fall under Clause 3. It says no state shall deny to any person in its jurisdiction equal protection laws and due process. So if you're from Venezuela, you're still under jurisdiction of Venezuela. So when you get to America, you have to be under state jurisdiction. On the state law, Amendment 11 says if you are a citizen or subject of a foreign state, you can't sue any of the United States in U.S. District Court. But since the people don't read this little elementary school stuff, you'll listen to somebody like Jeff Sessions. I've been in his office three times this year. I know all the people that work in there. Jeff is, is totally, he, he needs to quit. He needs to do just like, what's his name, uh, uh, John Boner. The week that he resigned, I left him in Mexico. I've been knowing him 20 years. I said, John, I don't know what's wrong with you. You need to resign. That's what I told him about three days before he resigned because I've been knowing them for years. Because, see, sometimes it comes down to the little things. Twenty years ago, I taught Congress four words to stop the generational welfare by the African Americans, and everybody joined it. And I said, if you do these four words here, you will also stop 25 years of drug dealing. They said, what four words are you talking about? I said, you stop welfare drug dealing. Millions of people, the Democrats got them using drugs and you can't say nothing. If you stop that stuff, then the cartels will dry up. Millions of women won't have them. They can't do none of that stuff. I done told them right now, four words to stop this whole thing. Stop non-citizen federal entitlement. That's all it's all about. But they make it look complicated. And you guys, see, if you knew some of these little bitty stuff, then you could understand what I'm trying to say. It's not as complicated as you think it is. And they are glad. It's not, a, it's not an accident. They took it all out of the school. In the 50s, in elementary school, we had to quote the little small clauses. It's about 500 words. They don't want you to know these. They want you to think this is real complicated. And, and when I talk about nullifying, when you do the 64 words of Article 6, Clause uh, 2, it says clearly that everything got to be in the Constitution. And I can cite you all kind of case law to say if it's not in there, if every federal judge ruling, which they have to do on the Judicial Review for Congress, if it's not in the Constitution, they say it's no void, non-jurisdictional trespassing and treason, but they don't want y'all to know it. And it goes on to say it can't be uh, aborted because it wasn't a law in the first place. But see, they don't want y'all to know that. They want you to think this is some, some scary stuff like the Wizard of Oz when you got there with some little old man. It's the same thing. It's only about 500 little simple words. So what I'm going to do since I'm so super educated, I'm not going to vote. I can't. As long as I hear the type of talk from Congress like they're doing now, they're telling me, Christine, we have no intention of following the Constitution. I say, yeah, but I just did the 20-year study for new gangers on it, and it's all in there, every word for what. Yeah, but we don't want to do it. What do you mean you don't want to do it? You suppose, yeah, but we're going to do it this way. I said, but you can't continue to charge in the American taxpayers billions of dollars a day that you're giving to millions of people who are non-citizens. And then they got some talking about some national debt. They can't put non-citizens in the national debt. I done told Raul them. 
And, and Scott in his office, well, Miss Tamlin, that's the way we're going to do it. I said, well, how long do you think? I'm, I said, one of these days America's going to catch on to this stuff. And insofar as the voting goes, the Republicans know that they're supposed to be nullifying about 40 million Democrat votes. In the Constitution, they can't vote, and they know that already, and they know how to do it, but they said they ain't going to do it. I said, well, you sound like a fool. If you know you can nullify stuff legally and you won't do it and it's going to hurt you, then you maybe you shouldn't be in office. So that's what I got to say. This is all very elementary, and they have made it appear to be quite complicated. But when you go to the Christine Timmons Immigration School, it don't take you two or three weeks like Dr. Dr. James Washington. Oh, he thinks he's super okay. dad now. He knows Chris, all well, the stuff. I, I got a question for you. What, 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 I need yes. to do, well, what I need to do now, hold on, Christine, and we're going to have plenty of time next week. As, uh, okay. uh, no, I'm looking at the time, and it looks like I do got to start taking some uh, closing comments for uh, the rest of the folks here uh, so uh, we can uh, finish out the show. So it looks like uh, we'll be able to give about three uh, minutes, maybe a little less, uh, to everyone before I have to start shutting things down. And what we'll do is we will start with um, Susan, and then we will give it over to uh, Richard, and then you, Kelly, and then Jim will give you the final word. And then I will uh, close things up for this evening. So, uh, Susan, if you have any uh, final thoughts for us, uh, go ahead. Susan? Well, I plan on voting whether, uh, you know, I just feel I have to. Uh, reluctantly many times, and there are times I have skipped over a few candidates and wrote nobody, somebody, anybody in. And uh, I have voted third party. I have voted libertarian, constitutional. I have uh, been a real rebel at times. I I think I only voted for Ronald Reagan. The rest of the time I went third party when it comes to presidential stuff because they don't give me who I want. Um, but we can't expect our Congress to we're not going to agree with them on everything, and some we're not going to agree on anything. Uh, you just have to hold their feet to the fire and get in the best one you can, no matter what party they are with. And it's like, with uh, Simpson, you know, absolutely I won't support him, but I holler at him all the time. I, I call and, and jump on him about everything. And so I don't agree with not, you know, not voting. I, I, I just don't. I'm sorry. And uh, if I knew, uh, I don't know, I'll try to get hold of Keith Waters. Uh, I'm in the Constitution Club, but I'm not exactly sure how to send him a message. But if anyone knows the Constitution, let me tell you, that man surely does. I sent you that link on the uh, Indians. Uh, They were not considered citizens even under the 14th Amendment until the law came in. They were not considered anything, really, until that was an interesting thing I learned recently. So I'm out. We just appreciate you know, I definitely appreciate it, uh, you coming on, Susan. We look forward to hearing from you again. So at this time, we are going to go ahead and bring it over uh, for some final thoughts uh, from you, Richard. Go ahead. Hmm. Well, I mean, it was just interesting to hear, uh, you know, Jim talk about the uh, the precinct, uh, you know, alternative or – well, it is an alternative. I'll tell you what I think it's an alternative, too. And this is a problem. Uh, conservatives – languishing in the ghetto of social media, just basically just griping, grousing, complaining, kvetching about 
how bad everything mm-hmm. is and no you know gossiping and talking about all these 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 bad candidates and certainly all that's true but but i think that uh, that is sort of a that's a form of inertia and i think that that a portion of their time could be more uh profitably spent with what jim has described you know getting involved in these uh precinct campaigns and starting to take the bull by the horns and uh taking control of, for example, the Republican Party, because most of the most people I'm describing are people who still have some kind of a, an, a some sort of an affinity to the Republican Party, you know, going back to Reagan, but they feel very disaffected now. And so that, I think, is, uh, that's what I recommend. I recommend that, and I recommend activism. I can see that Christine uh, is very in, into that as well, and so that's important. But I think I think these are things that could be these these are things that could move the needle actually move the needle, and we spend way 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 too much time just uh, you know in our little echo chambers, um, you know. And when I you know as a writer I, I I try to I try to bring something to the table that is you know that is you know exposing some things that maybe some some narratives are not, you know, in wide currency that most of these people that I'm describing have have not encountered. Um, And I don't expect them to agree with me. I'm really just trying to provoke thought. And, uh, you know, and as such, I I encourage people, I encourage people to go go do something constructive. You know, if if there's a rally somewhere, go to the rally. Go to the rally with your sign. Call a congressman. Yes, I know these congressmen. They're kind of like they're like a form of disease that's resistant to antibiotics. But nevertheless, um, they do kind of have a rule of thumb in which they in which they rightly assume that one person probably represents views of about another at least a hundred people that feel the same way that they just haven't heard from. But if they don't hear from anybody. Um, you know the old the old adage uh, that uh, silence equals complicity or or equals um, uh, consent is, is is very true and so uh, that's really all I would throw in there I, you know and uh, I just wish you the best of luck there Jim and it was great talking to everybody else tonight and so I'll uh, you know I'll check in uh, check in uh, next time we have one of these discussions. Awesome, sounds great. We're going to bring it over. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, Richard, for you coming on. Of course, we're uh, welcome to have you back onto the show. And definitely, you know, I'm going to ask everyone tonight as, uh, you know, you've got the link. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it somewhere, either on Facebook or, or Twitter or somewhere, uh, to, you know, maybe add it on to your email list and kind of just, you know, do a, a broad uh, email for the link in the description of the show for folks can uh, listen to it as well. Uh, so they can have access to it and, and come here and listen. So that's uh, one of the things uh, we'd really appreciate if uh, you folks would do. Or if you even have a website or something of that nature, uh, you can embed the link or, or what have you, or at least put it there for a time. Um, now, Kelly, let's go ahead and bring it over to you, and then we'll end things off uh, with Jim with the final comments, and then I'll unfortunately have to uh, end the show this evening. Uh, go ahead, Kelly. Watch the vote. There you go, Kelly. Sorry, right, Kelly, you you were, it, was, it was muted a little bit. Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, I met uh, Jim in 2012 on uh, Watch the Vote. We were all Ron Paul fans. And, uh, you know, nice victory story with Edward True. 
But I've been working with Jim since he started uh, and got t- together people for the Guardians for Liberty and now Network America, which is more of a somewhat like Facebook to make the precinct strategy happen quicker. This guy obviously has a lot of solutions, and I can vouch for a lot of good character that I have seen in Jim. And, uh, you know, again, th- we developed this, the, the board, which Jim, someday he'll be the chair, even though he's kind of not wanting to be the chair. But, you know, I'm nudging him that well, way. Well, he'll be he in Congress out. anyway, so you'll have to wait. Well, yeah, maybe he'll, yeah, if he's, yeah, too late to be the chair when you're in Congress. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, he was very instrumental in these seven principles. Again, one, implement the precinct strategy. Two, revitalize the Second Amendment. Three, restore transparent elections. Four, combat the media monopoly. Five, defeat the police state. Six, return to constitutional money. Seven, support a non-interventionalist foreign policy. So that's a really good snapshot, and again, I would encourage people, you know, people in Ohio, Facebook, whatever, um, I would encourage people to send this podcast because um, we have a unique shot of someone who, again, beat the Democrat in 2010 who has a very viable chance of becoming a United States congressman. So I, I'm just um, more than happy that, that uh, Jim could join us tonight. And we all get to know him a little better. So with that, let's go ahead and give uh, the final about four minutes over uh, to you, Jim, before I have to uh, shut things up. And I want to uh, say thank you very much for coming to the show. Really appreciate it. Of course, uh, we definitely will have you on again um, to talk about either, you know, the campaign or uh, other issues uh, that you're working on. And so let's go ahead, uh, Jim. Okay, Robert. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and I thank Kelly for his very kind words tonight. A little Kelly and Jeff and a bunch of other six or seven other people were really instrumental in that wording of those seven principles, which is kind of the backbone of what we're Network America is based on. And so, anyway, thank you for having us in. I, I would just say in closing that let's not give the other side more power than they have. In other words. For instance, not one congressman, except unless they're in half of New Hampshire, can even prove they were elected and deserve to be in office. Certainly Obama and W. Bush and Clinton can't prove that because this underground secret count computer system has been in place since 1988. That's how bad things are. But, you know, with all that, let's not give them more power than they have. Just because we've been tricked by a ruling elite that where they've – bottled up a lot of our processes so you don't even know where to go to complain sometimes. Now that we know about the precinct system, let's get in there. Let's change the uh, change the party leaders, the Congress, change the policy and save the nation. And uh, this c- can be done. We just need hundreds of thousands of people to, to realize it quickly and just commit a little bit of their time and a little bit of their money uh, every, few, every uh, two years there were three times in the last since the new century started where the people scared even the sitting Congress into backing down. One was when they were going to regulate homeschooling, 2001. That was killed in about a week. They got so many people in there. The second time was when they were going to have amnesty in 2006, and Ohio Senator George Voinovich came to the floor of the Senate and said, I can't vote for this anymore because if we vote for this amnesty of illegals, the U.S. Senate will be at war with the American people. That was the second time. The third time, they were about to internet, uh, uh, regulate the Internet. Uh, this is, I think, mm-hmm. about 2012. I can't remember which senator it was, but one of them right now is a Democrat. 
came to the came to the news media somewhere and said we the people were too much against this we're just going to have to think of you know in effect he said we're going to have to go down another route and use another plan so even with the current mm-hmm. rigged elections riggable elections we can back them down and how much more can we back them down if they knew that hundreds of thousands of people were coming for their jobs not only their jobs but the jobs of their corrupt and, and opportunistic and or opportunistic party leaders so robert Thank you again. I really appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate all the comments. Very intelligent audience and from all over the country. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, definitely had some great folks come on. I really appreciate everyone who does sponsor the show. And if you would like to be someone uh, on the show as well, uh, listen to Bard's Logic Political Talk and give us a call at 347-945-7428. And if you already are listening, thank you very much, uh, for coming to the show, but of course, as we pointed out, definitely share uh, the link. You can either listen to the show on your uh, cell phone or your iPhone, and also uh, see people are actually doing that a lot. And so, yeah, check that out. And of course, uh, there's all, also email lists uh, where you can just take the link and just email it with the description of tonight's show uh, on you know everyone on your email list and kind of create your own uh, emailing list for getting the link out on the show. Uh, but, then of course, uh, unfortunately, I do got to end things and want to say uh, thank you. We will see uh, you next week. We will have, uh, you've heard her a little bit tonight, uh, Christine Timmon. We are going to uh, look forward to that, and we will hear from her then. So I want to say good night, everyone. Take care. And, of course, I will end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to Aubrey, and that's with a B, AubreyAshburn.com. So take care, everyone, and good night. Mm-hmm.